Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family. We chose this one. This is episode 85, Death Proof, a.k.a. Lightning Bolt. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Two, And this episode is also brought to you by Dodge. Wow. For more than 100 years, the Dodge brand has stood for standing out. They're led by being different, offering the unexpected, having a different voice altogether, and daring to amplify it. Shout out once again to Dodge. Truly amazing. Thank you, Dodge, for coming up so big here in these, uh, these are quarantine months, our quarantine weeks, our quarantine episodes. Yeah, holy shit, Nothing man. but time and Dodge. We got nothing but Dodge. Nothing but Dodge here. We just did Vanishing Point, right? And, you yes. know, they're happy, and, and we told them, you know, we're going to be doing Death Proof next. They're like, let's just keep this, let's just keep this running. Yeah. And we're yeah. like, fine. Yeah, fuck it. Who cares? No problem. No problem here. No. But Joe, extracurricular activities. Since we last recorded that Vanishing Point episode you mentioned, since we last were sponsored by Dodge, what have you been up to in the last four days? We started watching this new trash reality TV show on Netflix. Actually, we finished it. It's done. <laughs> but it's What's, what show was it? It was called Too Hot to Handle. Oh, I I read I read one thing about this, and I want to get your take on the the literally the only thing I know after you talk about it. Okay, yeah, I'll probably talk about it when I get in. To it. So it's a show a la an island. They find like the super horniest singles they can find, right? Cool. They put yeah. them on this island. They're all horned up. They're like, we're going to have like summer of fucking. And like, <laughs> like, I'm serious. Like, this is real. Like, they're like, okay. Yeah. Like, they're like super horned up on purpose. Yeah. They're like, okay. And they like leave them there for a day. They're like, they don't know what's about to happen in 12 hours. In 12 hours, they're like, okay, now you can't touch. You can't kiss, you can't Whoa. pet, you can't have sex, you can't masturbate, nothing, okay? And there's cameras all over the house. So there's, like, some things, like, you can give, like, hugs, right? But they just, like, want them to establish a deep emotional connection. So mm-hmm. they can't just be, like, running through the house fucking. The show is, like, as it's going, they're kind of, like, figuring it out, and they have a prize pot of $100,000. And every time they do one of these things, it deducts money from the prize pot. You know, very early on, some people kiss, and it's like three grand for a kiss. So three it's, grad for a kiss. Wow, three grad for a kiss. Yeah, and then like different other things, you know, cost more money depending on how far you're pushing the boundaries. We blew through that yesterday. It was a fun way to kill a day. So the thing that I read, I'm trying to figure out what site it was on because I might. Yes, okay. Too hot to handle review. Netflix reality show undermines its trashy appeal. And I was like, what is this about? And apparently it says its mean dismissal of its own contestants is a constant drag. Like, do they, does the show like make fun of these dummies or like what's going on there? Yeah, the show shreds the people, but honestly, I hated everybody on the show. So like episode one, I was like, I probably can't watch this show because I hate all of these people, but that's a really good aspect for the show. Like they all suck, right? Like these people are generally like 
pretty shitty people. They go through some growth or whatever, but, like, at the beginning, they're just, like, people you're just like, oh, god, like, I don't want to be in the same room as them. And the show makes fun of them because they are dumb. There's, like, some really dumb ones. I don't think it's a drag on it because, like, I hated the people. I, I wasn't rooting for them, right? Like, I, I mean, I have not and I will not watch this show. Yeah, I know you will. But I can see that as, like, a thing where it's it's almost like... When people are hate-watching something, it's like something, like a show that's made to be hate-watched. It's like, oh, that's, don't guide our hand like that. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, like, Netflix had the other show, like, Love is Blind. And, like, in that show, you kind of, like, you, you wanted to like the people, right? Like, you were, like, mm-hmm. kind of rooting for them to, like, this show, you're, like, if they, if they would have picked, like, nice people from the jump, you'd have been like, oh, man, like, this sucks. Like, you know, they can't hook up and, like, they really like each other and stuff like that. But no, they just picked, like, the shittiest, worst Instagram influencer type people gotcha. that are just, like, muscly and, like, we fuck all the time and, like, look at my fucking houseboat and, like, all this dumb shit, right? So you're just like, yeah, I don't think it's a drag. I, I enjoyed okay. it because I because okay. I hated all these people. Yeah, it turned out that like as much as I thought that I wouldn't like the show because I hated all the people, that mm-hmm. was the only thing that kept me going through the show. Mm. You know what I mean? Because like if you would have mm-hmm. liked them, you'd have been like, oh, the show's kind of boring. Right. Anything else that you've been up to? We discovered at the meat place that's near us that we always go to. The Italian deli. Place? Yes. Yeah. I've been looking for like Korean barbecue style meats. Because I was craving okay. Korean barbecue, and obviously we can't go anywhere. Right. And so they had, like, really thin sliced meat there. And we did Korean barbecue at home last night, like, just on the stove, and it turned out awesome. So oh, cool. I actually bought a little portable Coleman camping grill to put on the table in the living room, and we're going to do some Korean barbecue in the living room soon. So Hamden couple sets house ablaze when camping <laughs> indoor camping fire goes abla- goes wrong. Yeah, it's no, it's just like one of those like small camping stove things and it runs butane and I bought like the Korean barbecue topper. Um there's actually restaurants that'll do it like that. They like bring you like a portable camping stove That's to cool. your table. I, I mean we're not in an apartment, you know, you've been to my house, so yeah. uh the living room like it's open enough that like it will vent. We're not gonna die. You know, we'll put like a We'll put it probably on, like, a baking sheet or something just to contain it. That sounds cool. That's very cool. Yeah, I thought it would be something fun to do. And, like, a Coleman camping grill is, like, 25 bucks. So it was, like... Not at all. So that's... You ordered online. You're waiting for it to deliver? Yeah, I ordered that. And then, like, the Korean barbecue topper, like, one of the, like, dome topper things was also, like, $20. I ordered both of those. So for, like, 45 bucks deep, I can be able to do it on my table. Yeah, I'm excited. Very, very cool putting your stimulus check to good use. I mean, that was my big splurge, $45 for a Korean barbecue setup so I can cook in front of my... Well, the thing was, is like, if you do it on the stove because the meat pieces are thin and you have to keep cooking them, that, like, right. Rachel and I were kind of, like, in each other's way because, like, you know, you would cook them, but then you'd pull them off on a pan and put them into a bowl, but... Yeah, you're supposed to be eating it as you're cooking other exactly. stuff. Exactly. So, like, this was the whole point where it's, like, it worked in the kitchen. It'd be much easier if we just had, like, a thing in, in front of us. Yeah, you almost need, like, if you were doing the kitchen, you'd almost need, like, a third person it feels like where you're having like one person cooking for two and then they eat for a while and they sort of cycle out you know what i mean like it feels like one for one it's not great like i feel like there's not but i feel like one for two or even like if you had four people like one cooking for three and sort of cycle that way yeah that might make more sense too but uh communal in the living room sounds good yeah yeah you know because we have the coffee table here and you could be able to like sit on all sides and i'm gonna try it out see how it works and then hopefully when this is over you know have some squad come over and we can all kind of sit around the coffee table and and barbecue here. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, for sure. 
Anything else of note? No, those are my two big things um, for the past four days. We uh, began Risk game number two on Thursday night. I sort of split my armies in the setup between North America and Australia, and I had all of Australia. And like, Australia is nice because if you there's like a, there's only one way you can get there, and okay. so if you bottleneck this one place, it's very hard. Like if you have like a lot of troops there, it's hard to lose. Like you may not be able to win. So I was sort of splitting between two different places, and even before I got to go, uh, I was rocked. I was annihilated out of North America. Sort of like, it feels like kind of like vengeance for the, the last game. So now I am slowly making my way across Asia as I try to expand my. Australian Empire outwards, but Asia is a very difficult thing to play. Like I'm not especially experienced at risk, so I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know how it's going to work, but uh, round two of that will be tomorrow night, and by the time this cool. comes out, we will probably have three rounds of this. So hopefully, I'm still alive. We will find out though. So stay tuned for risk updates. Also, in terms of baseball, I was I was saying to you that I think I mentioned on here too that we were in addition to our yeah, we talked about it last fantasy time. baseball league, mm-hmm. which we caught up to modern day, so we're just sort of streaming one day of games at a time. We also created a franchise where the twelve of us in our league are all on a team, plus some former members and plus some you know just celebrities and whatever that like have special significance to our league. Yeah, we have like eighteen or nineteen created players. It took a long time. We didn't get rocked. Well, okay, the first game we got rocked. We almost like. Uh, Aaron Nola of the Phillies almost threw a perfect game against us. We had oh, two nice. hits. One was kind of a bullshit hit. And then we lost 8 nothing. And then the, we got swept by the Phillies. So we're, I think we're going to return to the drawing board and make us a little bit better. Realistic as it is for us to be all like kind of average or mediocre guys, the games aren't it's be not fun to watch you lose every single game. Yeah, I agree. And so I think we're going to make each of us like 25% better, like, you know, not like crazy better, but like a little bit better in like a handful of key categories. We're learning from our mistakes. This was basically an alpha run. We're going to do our beta test and maybe this is the, the, the one we keep. I don't know. But yeah, losing four games in a row, like we almost won at least one of them, if not two. Okay. But still, like we, we've not hit a home run in four games. Um <laughs> We're That's not awesome. like our, our team ERA is almost nine. Like it's not good. No. So we got to go back to the drawing board a little bit. Like we're not terrible. Like I don't know why we're this bad. Like if you look at our statistics, like our attributes, we're not that bad. I don't get it. I really, I really, truly don't get it. Do they have like a chemistry meter? Like because you're all like Americans, do you get like well, team chemistry? Is, so there's team morale, and there's okay. like every player has morale, and there's like five or six different traits and it's like their role on the team their performance on the team their their contract like all these different things but like it's very hard to control that yeah like we were looking at one of the players in our actual league like one of the star players like jose altuve who's on the astros yeah and he's unhappy because like he's not performing well but it's like we're simming every game like this is your own like this is not my fault like this is your fault that you're not happy because you just you're not living up to your own potential so like I don't know what there is to do about that kind of thing. But yeah. I don't know. Maybe, but I, there's nothing we can do about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I don't that's know. That's how the cards fall, man. The most exciting thing is that I had a Burger King yesterday, Ooh. which was the first burger I had like in six weeks, and it was it was just very mediocre. But uh, yeah, of course, it was a change. So here's Did what it reminds you of another. King. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh a burger that no, tastes yeah, very yeah, similar to it. Yeah, an In-N-Out burger. Exactly. <laughs> no, it was no, mediocre. no, no. It was sad. My parents love Jersey Mike's, which I feel like. Oh, okay. Living in New Jersey is it's not like it's not something like it's not bad but no. it's like there are so many Italian restaurants and pizza shops that and have delis. Italian subs delis exactly yeah everywhere 
There yeah. are so many places that you can get a sandwich like that's like Jersey Mike's. Yep. But my dad loves it. My mom likes it. They called, I think, yesterday or Friday, and they were like, we want to get Jersey Mike's over the weekend. Okay. Um, do you want us to either pick one up and drop it off at your house, or do you want to get it and bring it to us? And I was like, well, doesn't I can't like make you buy me a sub and have you drop it off to me. Like That that feels unfair. So like, let me go get it. I'll, dry, I'll drive it to you, whatever. Yeah. They, I think they tried recently, and like... They called, and like when they said they were closing, they were closed earlier or whatever. And so my dad called yesterday and okay. was like, when are you open till? They said 7. He's like, when are you taking orders until? And they said 6.30. We're like, cool. Easy. So my yeah. dad calls at 6, or he goes on the app at 6, and is like, it's saying that we can't pick up until tomorrow. And I was like, that's what? And so you look in the app, because they had like all over the weekend, they had like 25% off subs, I guess, just like, please come yeah. support our business yeah. because we don't have people coming in here or whatever, right? Yep. Even at like 6.05, it says, pick up as soon as possible, 30 minutes, it says you can't get it tomorrow. And so I was like, did you try to call them? He's like, they're not answering. And I was like, well, and so like, I'm like, let me go there because it's like three minutes away from my house. I'm like, yeah. let me just go there and see what's up. And I go there and the open sign, like the neon sign in the door is off. And there are people outside waiting for their sandwiches. And I see people moving around inside. It doesn't look open. Like, the lights aren't really on. And they have a phone number on the outside. And, like, there's a huge sign on the window. It's, like, three ways to order. App, yeah. online, or call. Yep. And so I call the number, and it's just a busy signal. I was like, well... So I call my parents, and I'm just like... This seems I'm like, fucked. I don't think this is going to happen. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, that's, that's really annoying. I was like... I don't know why you keep, because this is now the second time that you've tried to patronize this restaurant that they basically, not like maliciously, Slipped but they lied off. to you yeah. Yeah, <laughs> about like when you can order food. I don't know why you keep going back there. I'm, I'm like, do you want me to go to the Italian place by your you by your house and we can pick up sandwiches? Like, no, you don't have to come all the way out here. Which, by the way, I was going to go You were going to go there anyway. anyways to drop the sandwiches off. Yeah. I'm like, I don't mind it. They're like, unless you really want. I was like, no, it's fine. Whatever. Like, Jersey Mike's is good. Like, I don't think it's bad, but I think that like when you live here, like when I lived in Austin, I think this is maybe when we talked about it, it was amazing amazing because it's like the closest thing by far to a new jersey sub that you get anywhere outside of new jersey right like it's just Fair, yeah it's yeah. a very good bread good meats whatever but here there's so many other places to go but anyway i was telling the story to my friend and she's like it feels like you know you're a parent of a teenager in a bad relationship with a bad boy and you're trying to like get them to break oh. out of this relationship and like just being like look like here's the opportunity but now they're like closer to this boy than ever before <laughs> so i thought i was gonna be able to be like look, like, you know, Jersey Mike screwed you over twice. Like, don't go there. But they're like, no, we'll go back there next week. And I was like, <laughs> I don't get it. But yeah, so then in the same parking lot as Burger King, and I was just like, this is sad. So I just got like, a, oh, so here's here's one other thing about burgers. So when I go to McDonald's, I get a quarter pounder because it's like, it's basically the exact kind of burger that I want to order. It's not like the Big Mac where there's like yeah, stuff on there that yep. I don't really want. Yep. Burger with maybe che yeah, cheese, yep. uh, ketchup, mustard, I think, pickles, onions. Like that's it, right? Yep. Burger King now has, and they might've had for a while because I don't usually go to Burger King. Burger King now has the quarter pounder king, which is mm -hmm. the same sandwich and I'm like, how did you just, you just took McDonald's sandwich? I mean, quarter, I mean, quarter pounder. I mean, I, I know, like... I know, I know, I know. But like, in the history, especially tied to the movie in a, in a, in a roundabout way. In a very roundabout way, tonight, yes, yeah. The Royale with cheese, like forever tied to McDonald's, the quarter pounder, right? The Royale yes. with cheese. So then Burger King's just like, you know, we're going to do that. We're going to add the word king to the end, and it's our own thing. It's the same ingredients, it's the same recipe, it's the same everything. I'm just like, oh. I love it. I kind of like how ballsy it is. There's like, just fuck McDonald's. It's bold and weird and, like, kind of cool. Like, it's... I don't get it. Like, I think I like <laughs> Burger King's burgers more than McDonald's. I like the, the charbroil or yeah, fake charbroil or whatever good. taste. Yeah. I was like, I can't believe... All right, cool. Yeah. Yeah, send it. Go for it. Like, Do it's it, Corona times. We're at the end of the... 
we're at the end of the line here. If you want to start stealing Truly quarter a pounders, wild, wild time. Fucking do it. Oh, I watched a bunch of TV. Uh, there's the series on Hulu that's new. Devs. Have you heard of Devs? I feel like I have. Go ahead. What's it? So Devs is created by the guy Alex Garland, who made Ex Machina and Annihilation. It oh, was cool. an eight-episode miniseries. It was kind of disappointing the entire time. Like, I wanted it to be weirder and cooler and more surreal, and it just wasn't. What's it about? Like, what's, like, give me, like, one sentence of, like... So Nick Offerman plays essentially, like, kind of like a Jeff Bezos type of this company called okay. Amaya. Cool. There's, like, this very high-end, super elite coding section called Devs, and they're working on some, like, really classified project where in the first episode, the show kind of follows this, like, mean couple, a guy and a girl, and the guy gets a job there. Okay. And so you sort That's of follow, fair. like, what they're about. Yeah. It's good. It's just not great, which is a bummer. Is it funny? Is it supposed to be, like, no, S- Silicon no. Valley? It's, like, it's a drama. No. Yeah. So Nick Offerman's playing, like, a real person and not funny. Yes, correct. Weird. I watched the last three episodes of that yesterday. And I watched the last three episodes of Westworld yesterday, the most three recent episodes of that. Oh, nice. And they're basically the same plot. Like they're oh, both weird. Ab- Don't tell me that. That's they're both about like big data in like the way that like big data is scary. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Westworld is trying to do like a hundred different things, and that's just one of them. But like, it was weird to watch basically six hours of TV kind of in a row and be like, oh, I'm watching, this all- this, I'm watching the same thing. Yeah, this all feels very familiar. <laughs> Right. Yeah. There's a new show on Hulu called Mrs. America, which I watched the first three episodes of that, which is about this uh, Phyllis Schlafly, who's played by Kate Blanchett, and she was like this anti-women's rights, anti-feminist woman in the 70s. And like Rose Byrne, a.k.a. the mom from yes, Neighbors, Neighbors yep. plays Gloria Steinem. And so like it's this kind of politically charged, heavy, topical sort of thing, which is good. I mean, it's, you know, I feel like it, if that doesn't sound at all interesting to you, like you no. probably shouldn't watch it. What I can say is that you're probably enjoying the TV you watch a lot more than I'm enjoying the TV I watch. So like, I don't, like But it sounds like, like, yeah, which is ultimately the goal, right? So I guess so. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to I'm trying to get in culture. I don't know. Like Debs was disappointing. I like Mrs. America. I'm, it's not, you know, a fun thing, but I think it's, I don't know, whatever. I don't have to explain my artiness. No. You get it. You yeah, know me. It. Yeah, I get it. I'm no judges. <sighs> we have a Patreon page here on the show, too fast to forever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellenden, and Justin Kleinman for supporting us at the $5 level or above. Thank you all so very much. If you want thank to get you, swag you. and merchandise, early access to episodes, bonus episodes, eventually, mm-hmm. Fast and Furious Minute document, voting and stuff, our undying love and affection, access to the quiz, too. True. Too fast to forever.com. Even a dollar a month gets you most of those things. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to harp on the reviews because we have no new reviews. So if you, you know what, you know how to make us happy. Yeah. But Joe, we have an email address here in the show, family at cageclub.me. And we've got a couple different, this is a sort of an amorphous mailbag, but let's get the first one. Okay. This is kind of, it starts out in a kind of a heavy way. This is what I, I messaged you the other day from oh, yeah. Justin Kleinman. Okay. Subject line, I still stand by my quote, any virus as long as it's a Corona joke from Justin. So here, I don't normally send you emails ahead of time. No, but never. I was like, never, ever, usually. But after our listeners hear the opening paragraph here, I wanted to be like, hey, I don't want to sort of surprise Joe with this. Let me send this to you on Facebook. So here we go. He says, I still stand by my any, any virus as long as it's a corona joke. He says, which is more relevant now than ever. I looked to see the last time I emailed, and it was March 26th. The following day, I started first getting my symptoms, my <laughs> wife a few days before that. We're both doing well and recovering, but it hasn't been fun. Two-week recovery, my ass. I'm starting week three, and my wife's at four and a half, and we both still have symptoms. I should specify that we are presumed that we have presumed COVID cases from our doctors. Presumed because this is America, and we can't get tested due to not being a health professional 
elderly, or in the NBA. <laughs> That's a good joke, actually. He says, I do miss work, but it's given me the chance to be my son's teacher, which has been cool. If I wasn't sick, I'd be out in the world since I'm in the essential worker class. I mentioned that we were doing our COVID cruises nightly in our Pontiac. That car has been a lifesaver. Every night we just drive around to escape. When my wife was her sickest, she was pretty depressed and in bed. At least it allowed her to get out of the house without expelling much energy. Lifts my sure. 40-year-old heart to hear new listener Hector and his love of cars. Wow, that's heavy. I'm glad he's okay. That's the best yeah. part about this. That's yes. the best takeaway. Whenever we don't this. hear from people in a while, I kind of get worried-ish. Like, you know, we always like to keep checking in, right? Like, we always yeah. ask this. Like, even if you don't want to write an email that we're going to read, just at least check in. You know, we've yeah. corresponded with a lot of these guys for a while, so you know, just send us an email, say what's up. You start to get a little nervous, but um, mm-hmm. like you know, Ben and Lenny are pregnant up in Alaska, and I hope that all's well there. Like, I've had a, I've had multiple friends have babies in the midst of this, and I'm just like, Sheesh. I can't imagine, like. The stress yeah. of having a baby as it is, plus like giving hospital? birth in a Just place being where, in yeah. a hospital right now. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. You told me this, and I thought yep. that I haven't been mentioning it, but I think it's a good time to finally talk about it. I do science. I do the science as as Jordan does the circus. Do that science. I do that science. Currently, right now, I'm actually working with all the people that are handling our biorepository. They're taking samples daily of patients and healthcare workers and they're processing all the samples and they're getting them tested we're making sure that they have proper protection masks and gloves and everything like that and we're working on the downstream stuff i just want to say that it's really awesome that although that this is scary and bad that it's really cool right now for me to see how many people are out there trying to help you every day actively i mean these people are working 16 hour days like, mm-hmm. they're all fucking wiped, you know what I mean? Like, we're all, like, stressing, but, like, getting stuff done as quick as possible, it makes me feel good. I, you know, I, I message you and tell you some of the stuff that happens or, like, the things that I'm mm-hmm. seeing and stuff like that, and it's reassuring, right? It was just, like, a really, really cool thing to be a part of. Be comforted in the fact that it might be scary outside, but there is, a, you know, a huge group of people, in the science world at least, that want this to be fixed, and they're trying their hardest to do it every single day like they're just packed there's a thing that i heard about recently and i don't know if you know about this have you heard about folding at home oh the protein folding thing yes Yes. yeah i know this yeah go ahead so if you want to if you're out there and you want to be like like you're not a scientist you're not an essential worker you're like trying to figure out if a way like a very very passive way that you can help there's a program called folding at home Mm -hmm. where it's existed for, I think, like a decade or so. Yeah, I remember it back when I was in Pittsburgh, for sure, yeah. It was doing work with, like, cancer and other diseases. I think it was, like, cancer, maybe Parkinson's. And I think they've switched, you know, since switched to COVID. But, like, what it is, is you donate spare CPU cycles mm-hmm. to this, like, supercomputer, essentially. You're the cloud, essentially, yes. for them. It's just like how when you're driving a car, for instance, right? And, like, you don't need all the engine power to go 35 miles an hour or whatever. Like, if you're just checking emails, uh, you can just sort of donate some back round processing to like help run simulations of things that as they try to figure out if certain breakthroughs will work for like treatments or vaccines or cures or whatever they need to run simulations on Mm -hmm. how proteins fold and interact with each other on your computer's end is it will like fold the protein and look at the amino acid interactions and see if they think that this is the model that they predict that the protein will fold in 
And like, you know, that helps with receptor type things, you know, how like lock and key type situations, right? So you're like, if it's shaped like this, we know that it probably touches here. And these are like the domains that, you know, you could like see that like something could come in and potential targets for a drug or something like that to unfold the protein. So that's what it's doing. And it's actually a really, really cool thing. I didn't know that they're doing COVID stuff right now. That's awesome. Yeah. As of like, I think a week or no, maybe more than that, maybe probably three, yeah. three, four weeks ago, I think they switched over to that. So it's again, like, you can you can google folding at home like my computer i think is too old like i think you have to have a computer from like the last decade like my computer is it runs on your graphics card old. i think right i haven't looked into it yet okay. um yeah like if you want to if you have like a especially like a desktop that like you're not really using or maybe you're using as like a media hub or whatever and you want to feel like you're doing something yeah go throw on cool way to do it at home i agree that's cool justin goes on he says my Fast and Furious Zoom watch parties with my two friends are still going. We've watched five, six, Drift, and seven. Ooh, when one so he friend went in our order, the... too. That's cool. Very much so. I mean, well, not our order, but, like, the order we've been doing, so. Yes. Okay. He says, when one friend discovered that Tony Jaw was in seven, he demanded a pit stop for us to watch Ong Bak, Muay Thai Warrior, so that's on tap Ooh. for next week. Then I think we'll go eight, Hobbs and Shaw, and two and one, treating them as prequels. That's fair. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, especially if you start with, what did, what did they start with? Four, I think, right? The reboot? So, yeah, Probably. makes sense. I'm glad that we, I feel like we've all kind of come together and been like, yeah, this is the right order. On that, like, very similar note, listener Jason just sent us a, a, an article today that somebody else agreed with our order, and it's like, oh, this the is business the business insider one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the business insider said that, like, this is the order you should be watching these in, and it's the order that we've been doing, so that's really cool. The one difference that we had from theirs to ours is that they talked more about Better Luck Tomorrow, which is the, yeah. uh, basically the Han prequel that Justin Lin directed. Mm-hmm. And they were saying that you should watch that before one, which I feel like maybe, but I feel like you could also probably watch it after two. You're splitting hairs because that's not really in it. I think if you're going to include that, you should include Italian job then put it in probably before Shaw shows up. So as far as Zoom versus Discord, Justin says, I would stick with Discord for the next viewing party. I tried okay. to stream the movie by screen sharing, but it was too choppy. Plus... My friends haven't seen them, so they need the sound. And he says, I say, let's do another viewing party. We've got nothing else going on. I was thinking this, too. I don't know if I mentioned it to you or not, but I feel like we no. should do one soon because, like, fuck it, why not? You know what I mean? Maybe Tokyo Drift? Yeah, I say let's do that. Why not? That's a fun one. When is that on the calendar? We actually have some friends that are doing viewing parties using Discord. We can get the proper instructions to get sound from them. Well, they're using, so we have friends using Zoom. We have friends using Twitch. What this is, at the end of the day, is illegal streaming, piracy, whatever, right? Yeah, because you're not supposed to be... Because we're rebroadcasting, essentially. Yes, which is not, yeah. Basically, they're playing by the rules of, like, we're too little to anybody ever actually care about and we're rebrost like this isn't like we're not playing like the new marvel movie right like this is like an old fast and the furious that's on tbs every fucking day anyways what does it matter like i don't think yeah. they would come after because it's not like this is like a new hype movie that we're like taking money away from the studios like if you've seen tokyo like if you wanted to see tokyo drift you've seen tokyo drift already the people that we know with will who will remain unnamed although you could probably figure out who we're talking about just based on who's been on the show they're showing like old shitty like 80s and 90s like, oh, yeah. direct to vhs movies and stuff like that so like it's the same thing like if people want to hunt down people watching hider in the house starring gary Busey, <laughs> yeah by all means go for it that's what i mean it's not like broadcasting this brand new like you're not like the last episode of westworld right like this is this would be like okay hbo might right. get mad at you yes and there's like a thousand exactly. people watching it you know like no it's not that it's like us watching shitty old movies that nobody cares about anyways tokyo drift we're we're that's releasing on the 12th, which means we're recording on, like, the 6th. So maybe, like, Sunday the... What is that Sunday? 
Sunday the 3rd, possibly. Cool. I'm down with that. Sunday, May 3rd, 9 p.m. Eastern. Do you want to do 9 p.m. again, or do you want to do earlier? No, 9. I think 9 worked pretty well. Okay. So I'll send out another email to everybody that I emailed last time. But 9 p.m. Eastern, Sunday, May 3rd, we'll do Tokyo Drift, and we'll send out instructions how to do that then. But if you are interested, save that on your calendar. Sunday, May 3rd, 9 Eastern, 8 just in time. Seven Jason time, six Wells time. That works. That works really well. And Tokyo Drift isn't a super long movie, so starting at nine, it'll be over by eleven, anyways. So yeah, works. Plus, you know, we'll have a little pre-roll, but that's, that still won't be very long, or whatever. Yeah. He says, "I'm slowly catching up with the podcast." So actually, actually, this is very cool. He says, "I'm slowly catching up with the podcast. I'm sick of watching TV, so I just sit on my porch and listen. I've only been listening to the first half. However, I like the personal stuff the best. I'll catch up with cool. the movie parts at a later day." That, yeah, that's fair. I'm, it, that's really awesome. We always assumed that it would be the other way around. Well, that's why, you know, like, we ideally want to get to a point where we could just, like, it can become, like, a chat show. And, you know, for at least for an audience of one, you know, we've already gotten there. Yeah, that's cool. He says, well, this has been long, but thanks for reading it. You guys do a great job. And by sharing our emails, you've created a family. I'm sure I'm not alone in saying that we all need this outlet more than ever right now. Sincerely, thank you. Lots of love to you and every other family member out there listening. Justin. Thank you, Justin. That was a really dope-ass email. And I appreciate yep. it. I'm glad that you're okay. That's that makes me very, very happy. Your email warmed my heart, so thanks, brother. And so I emailed them back and just said, "Oh man, lots of love to you and your wife. I'm sorry to hear that. Glad yep. you're pulling through. Glad we can give you a little bit of fun. Whatever, blah blah blah." I was like, "How's the weather up there?" Because like I've been complaining the last week or two that like it's been in the 40s and 50s here and just like yeah. a shitty spring. But I was like, "He lives in Minneapolis," and he's like, "Yeah, mostly 30s here." I won't read the whole email, but he says that like they have a hundred year old house. They yeah. redid their front porch that used to be just closed in with storm windows. They pulled out the windows and they just put regular windows in over a weekend and he insulated the floor. So if you put a space heater out there, it can just, you know, he's comfortable out there even the 10th and the 20s. He says, it's nice to sit on the morning sun and people watch. This was a fun story. He says, one night, we were sitting out there having a few drinks with a friend. So a guy walked by and looked at us. About 15 minutes later, I see him walk by again, this time with a guitar. Ooh. He stopped, looked at us, and started walking up to the door. Without knocking, he walked into our porch and asked me if I had a guitar tuner. I looked at what? him strangely and said that I did. I went and got it and gave it to him. He was pretty drunk and just confused and asked me to tune it for him. I did, and then asked why he assumed I could help him out. He said he heard good music coming from our house before and assumed I must play. That is a really cool story. I mean, it's weird as shit, but it's really cool. Can you, like, that's not like, can I borrow a cup of milk? You, like, just walk up and you're like, hey, got a guitar tuner? And then you're like, can you do it? Like, what the fuck is going on? Oh, New England. Imagine that happening here. No, I can't. That's like <laughs> yeah. a very Midwest kind of thing. Yeah. Like, Real America. Like, what the fuck are you doing? And then he emailed one more time and said, if you haven't watched Tales from the Loop on Amazon yet, it's Ooh. spectacular, absolutely beautiful work of science fiction. I've not seen this yet, but I know that Mikester, Mike Manzi, was also Ooh. very excited about this too. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but no, I haven't. If, you have, if you're looking for sci-fi, Tales from the Loop sounds great. Cool. Which is Thanks a new thing that came out, I think, a week or two ago, maybe? Not too long ago. Um, then you sent me a screenshot that Jake messaged us and said, yes, uh, so this is from Jake Freer. He said, yes. I just had a thought. Sorry. Oh, I want to, I just want to say that the notifications of the messages to the too fast Facebook page are being weird right now. So like, if I'm not responding to you, I told you guys that have sent messages that like, trust me, I'm not ignoring you. And I'm always have my fucking phone anyways. Just know that I'm not ignoring your messages. It's just like, I get the notifications weird 
and like I'm missing a bunch of notifications somehow. So this is why I didn't respond to Jake immediately. And then he like sent me a message on my Facebook and was like, "Here, gotcha." Yeah. Like aside from just like leaving that to you, like you feel our sponsorships and also our Facebook page. I'm just like, I I don't yeah. like the way that Facebook does notifications. No, I can't, it's garbage. Like, it's hey, people have viewed your page and also like 70 people like like this one post. It's just like yeah, I don't I don't care about that. Like show me the actual important things. And it's a post from like three weeks ago that's like yeah. not the most recent. It's so weird. But he said, I just had a thought what does the gang do with the body after they tranquilize the truck driver do they stop off somewhere and dump it not sure if you guys have talked about it that's very very so we're interesting talking about like the, fir- the very beginning of the first movie right yes and we know that they take the truck because they're not like just heisting the D- they can't put the dvd players in the civics so they have to take the truck is it the godfather or goodfellas or maybe no it's the Sopra- i think the sopranos where like they have truck drivers who like know the drill and they basically just pay the guy off to like here, you know, just get out of here. Like, here's some money for cab fare or whatever. Just like the truck driver's not gonna get in trouble for getting jacked, is what it right. is. So they're like, hey, we don't have to injure you. At least in The Sopranos, like in how it works, I'm sure in real life, the truck goes missing. They're like, look, right. guys had guns on me. It was scary. I gave them the truck. It's like robbing a bank, right? Like the bank's not gonna get in trouble for getting robbed. So I'm sure, and Nick could probably oh, confirm yeah. this. I'm sure that like in training, they probably are like instructed what to do in that kind of situation like like it's all insured don't try to be a hero i'm guessing i don't yeah. they're never gonna have their employees put themselves at risk of like or like tell over, them to shoot at the, somebody trying to rob you or right. something yeah over like a truck full of like meat or a truck full of like dvd players like that can all be replaced you know what i mean yeah. so yeah i don't know i don't know either i think that just logically because mm-hmm. the family is not very malicious they're not bloodthirsty i'm assuming that they probably trank the guy and drop him at, like, a gas station somewhere. If yeah, I had a guess, that. that's what I would see. Not on the side of the road, but, like, they probably, like, go to, like, the first, like, gas station, Burger King parking lot, and just, like, kind of put them there, sneak off into the night. Like a thief in the night, they're gone. Yeah. One more email, this one from Wes, Wes Hampton. Subject line, My Cousin Vinny, what up, fam? What up, Wes? How's it going, brother? I just finished the My Cousin Vinny episode. I love that movie. I actually just saw it for the first time a few years ago. Mrs. West watched it a lot when she was younger and yeah. couldn't believe I hadn't seen it yet. Fair. That's a very great similar taste in movies. Yes. We normally have very similar taste in movies, so I was happy to watch it with her, and I loved it. It's a great movie. I agree. I have a note in my phone that just says, Twilight Movies. And I'm not sure what specifically that was supposed to mean to me. I know Joe said he finally watched them and loved them for the garbage they are. I haven't yes. seen them, but I did read the books, I think, around the time they first came out. Wow. Whenever Twilight got real big is when I read them because I had some friends that were way into them. And I was curious about the hype. Plus, I was late to Harry Potter and I didn't want to miss out again. Ah, well, <laughs> horrible choice. <laughs> Just Not a great choice. <laughs> in general, Harry Potter, very good <laughs> still. <laughs> Twilight very bad <laughs> you to, to you know can you imagine going back in time and being like yeah I got to get on this Twilight bandwagon before <laughs> yeah, man, I don't know <laughs> horrible like choice. I'm sure you know for for like Kate Hudson and stuff like sure that's a great choice but for for Wes I don't think that's the right choice I don't think it's the right choice yeah that's what I'm laughing about he says also vampires are kind of overdone I feel like vampires have sort of gone away for the most part I mean they're back a little bit now with like what we do in the shadows but I feel like around Twilight and True Blood and everything like that like oh, vampires God, were like so many yeah the new hotness for like 10 years yeah right? it's like you know when we got like superhero movies again right like they come in yes. waves type situation i yep. agree also vampires are kind of overdone but i still really love them even most of the shitty ones i read all four books and i'll just say they were fast reads but not for me there's no. some interesting ideas and some really stupid ones 
but I determined I was not the target demographic, and I'll leave it at that. Why is there a full part about vampire baseball in the first movie? Is it in the book? Rachel said it's in the book, yeah. They dedicate a lot more story time than they should to explain vampire baseball, and it's very, very confusing to me. I don't understand it. But yeah, put that in my trash pocket. I really enjoy it for the shit that it is. So. Oh, also on a uh, a recent what, what episode was it? Was it maybe High School Slumber Party or something? Brian was talking about trash pockets. So like it, it has expanded. I think he's oh, taking cool. the lexicon Good. from Colin Mari. Did you bring you. it over there, or did I bring it over there? I think he just listened to our show. Oh, cool. I did a High School Slumber Party with Brian that should probably come out in a couple weeks, unless he changes his calendar. It seems there like it's going to come out in May. Editorial calendar. Let's see here. So as of right now, unless this changes, uh, Monday, May 18th should be the Ooh. day that your episode comes out. Very cool. And this yeah. episode comes out April 24th. So basically two, uh, two and a half weeks. Yeah, it sounds about Not right. Much farther. Yeah. Wes goes on to Joey's point about, quote, watching movies wrong. I think we're very similar in a lot of ways. I really love watching movies and shows, but I kind of look to them as tasks to be completed. Doesn't lessen my enjoyment or how I interpret or analyze the content, but it means I rarely want to rewatch a movie I've already seen. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's time I could be spending whittling away at my ever-growing backlog. The only exception is if I've if I have something on in the background. In that case, it has to be something I've already seen because if I want to watch something, I want to devote my whole attention to it. Mm-hmm. I don't even like to look actors up on my phone while watching a movie, even though it is tempting at times. Over the last few years, I've made a real effort to be focused on whatever's on the screen, and I feel better for it. Well. Aside from, like, the last sentence or two, like, that is almost me to a T. Like, I feel like taking notes for podcasts, I've been able to sort of multitask a little bit more. But, again, when I watch a movie like this, and we'll get into it in the back half, like, I'm like, oh, right. I love movies that I should watch more than once. (laughs) You definitely should. I kind of have the opposite where, like, I always had TV as a kid. It was never regulated. I like studying in chaos, drug-induced ADD. I like a lot of TV that like I can't I can not pay attention to in right. the background type situation. So like I usually gravitate more towards stuff like that, which is why I rewatch a lot of stuff or watch trash TV and stuff like that. Because I agree in the same sense, like I can't watch Westworld and like look at my phone because you're just gonna miss shit, right? Like right. you're just total. Like I need to give it a hundred percent focus, which is why I was like, okay, I didn't start it yet. I wanted to wait for it to finish. I want to give it attention and I can't even like wait weeks in between because I forget stuff and I get frustrated. I kind of have two different types of things that I watch. It's the stuff I need to pay attention to, which is most of the things I watch, and then stuff that like I can sort of watch while I wake up in the morning when I'm not like fully with it yet or like while I'm on my laptop or whatever. And then like as time goes on to sort of like your point about just not being able to ha- like not having to focus on things, I get to a point where I'm like more I'm less watching and I'm more doing other things and then at that point I'm like well why am I even watching this every week if I don't actually care like I mm-hmm. think once I transition from like one thing to the next it's like oh I should probably just stop like I I, I can use this time other ways you know what I mean so like yep. it's, a, it's like sort of like a, a trickle down tiered thing or whatever right so yeah I don't know yeah Wes says that's it for today until next episode stay furious Wes Stay furious, Wes. Glad, thanks for writing in. Glad to hear you're good, too. And that's all the emails for today. If you want to email in family at cageclub.me, please send us a note. If this is too many episodes, if you're enjoying all the extra content, if you're like Justin and only listening to part of the episode, let us know how you're listening. Family at cageclub.me. Yes. Joe, on the streets, any news that you have heard 
about the Fast and Furious? No, other than the article that Jason sent us that was interesting, that was like, the you know, this is the order you should be watching the movies in. He sent us another article, too, that was like a list of like 10 things you didn't know about Fast and the Furious, and it was like all facts we've gone over before. Vin Diesel right. only came back because he wanted the rights to Riddick and like all these things. It's it's not going to be, we're going to be in a little bit of a news drought for a while, so I haven't heard anything interesting lately. Oh, it was just Hattie, Hattie's birthday, Hattie Shaw, Princess Margaret, Vanessa Kirby's birthday on Friday. Oh, week ago i think or yes. maybe yesterday no saturday saturday yesterday yes boy time is weird so she just had a birthday so happy birthday princess margaret jake sent us that really cool meme that i posted on all the social yep. media things that i thought was fucking hilarious he said he made it that's awesome yeah for sure thank you jake for that all right joe the rock president let's see here is the rock running for president rock the vote does not look like it yet mm. um u.s governors feel he to reopen from protesters comma president Ugh. please don't uh, yeah. Dwayne Johnson president. Nothing. Dwayne The Rock Johnson once thought he had, quote, Jesus-level fame. Let's see what this is about. Ooh. It was late 90s, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson was working the WWE circuit, going from town to town and encountering adoring fans everywhere he went. He remembers thinking that he had, quote, Jesus-level fame. Wait, wow. that's the whole article? There you go. Cool. Thank you, Journalism Year 2020. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Fast and the Furious Minute, Minute 52, a minute I called... Hopes and dreams. What are they plan on racing with? Hopes and dreams? I don't know. But I know they're sneaky as shit and they got enough money to buy anything. Watch us. Dumb. We got a wolf pack. It's Johnny Tran and he's coming your way really fast. All right, we got company. Spilner! In this minute, we hear or we see Dom, Brian, and Vince continue to explore Tran's garage. That's Dom a gets a call title, from, by the way. Thank you. you thank you. It. Thank you. Yeah, I really like. Dom it. gets a call from Jesse, warning them that Tran and his crew are arriving. Dom, Brian, and Vince hide in the garage as Tran and his crew pull in and get out of their cars or off their bikes. Brian hides near Dom behind one car, Vince near an adjacent car, and then both Brian and Dom pull out guns. Yes, that's the minute so far. So we are transitioning into like an action-packed uh, little time. We but uh, any big takeaways before we get into the thing? Like, I it's hard to see a plus if you look now. It has been unredacted, but I redacted this whole part of our minute document because I didn't want to spoil something for you. Yeah, Joey like gave me the the nine eleven report version yeah. of of the minute right now. Everything's just black. I should have just like hold on. Like, let me just see like uh like I can just do like part. this, and I can be like you can see the word two. <laughs> He just unfucked one, like, word of two, and, the, and so it's just all black lines except that. So this is something that, like, you're going to be like, oh, that's pretty cool, but, like, for me, like, it's a very cool thing. But anyway, okay. uh, any big takeaways from this minute before we get into it? I, you know, I did my normal duty. I got the cars. I got the license plates. I got as much as I could get in Trans Garage on the wall, like the, the storage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I got as much of that as I could get that I could make out and definitively say what it is i got signs and stuff like that the guns i got the pistols that we see in this minute the coolest thing 
And my biggest takeaway, and I added it to your like info I saw that, at yes. the top, we see Brian look at the DVD players, and because of the minute document and me writing the DVD player model numbers at the very beginning, we can mm-hmm. see that these are different DVD players. So although they're Panasonic DVD players, they are different than the ones that were stolen in the first heist, which doesn't really give us any credence, right? Like that, that, that doesn't mean much. Yeah, it's not the it's not the Mashimoto ZX tires. It's, it's it's similar, but it's different because you know we know that they've been stealing more than one shipment of DVD players. Just know that they're a separate type of ones. And I, can we? So I had a question for you now, right? If Johnny Tran has these DVD players, they're yeah. also Panasonic DVD players, although they're not the same model numbers. And he and Dom have a bit of a tiff because of a business deal that went bad. Can we assume that they were buying some of these stolen DVD players? We find out later, and we're going to get to that in a handful of minutes or dozens of minutes or whatever, that like they have the paperwork for all these. So I think these are like legally acquired. It still doesn't explain why they have so many DVD players. <laughs> but remember, yeah, they like say like they investigated, they had all the paperwork, right? So like, yeah, you're asking like you think that like Dom and crew jack the trucks and then sell it to like for like 20 cents on the dollar. Yeah. And like Johnny Tran was like one of the buyers of like shipment stuff. So you know what I mean? And then, like, then they had a falling out or whatever. And that's why or because of something else, that's why it's they stopped. The business deal gone wrong was a, a spat about the DVD players. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They say that they have the paperwork. So I, again, I don't know why there are so many. Yeah, other it's than weird, maybe, right? And like in know. the garage too. Like why did you put them in your garage? I mean, I guess it's like a big warehouse, not very well secured, but supposed to be secured. Right. I do want to point out here that this is more clumsy undercover police work from Brian because Dom and Vince are like Ugh. looking at the cars or trying to make sense of the cars and Brian's like, what's over here? Stolen equipment. Like, let me take a look at this. It's like, guy, eye on the prize. Like, let's stick where you're supposed to be looking. Like, yeah. you're supposed to be like car guy. Like, I just broke into your garage because I you care about the cars. And said it was about the cars, and you want to investigate all the other cars, and then you're dicking around next to these DVD players over here when they were just on your ass about, like, finding you in the other place. God damn it, Brian. God damn it, Brian. Is Dom using a cell phone or a walkie-talkie? I saw your note, and I think it's probably like a Nextel. Next hell chirpy chirp. Because it chirps, it doesn't really ring, and then he kind of like doesn't open, he just like pushes a button to talk. It, it looks like a push to talk device, I think. Yeah, remember this was like the big thing back then. Next hell was like boop, 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 boop. I think that that's what it is, and I think it's an homage to the times that we don't have push to talk anymore. I always thought it was cool. I always wanted one so bad. Well, actually, the, the closest thing that we have to it now is that on Zoom, like you can unmute yourself with the button, but you can also just hold spacebar to talk. Every time my boss explains to things, like whenever we have like a session, he's like when he talks to the people who are in there, he's like, if you need to talk, treat your spacebar like a walkie-talkie and just hold down spacebar. And so, and it just it, unmutes the modern, you just for a minute, it, it, temporarily. Like, yeah, like it's basically you hold it and like you let go and like it, it, you're muted still. Oh, that is so fucking cool to know. Damn. Yeah. Okay, cool. So it's I'm not like a permanent mute, my... permanent unmute. It's just the hold to talk. Damn, dude, awesome feature. The modern day next tell is Zoom. I know. Zoom taking over the world, man. Two notes about trans crew. Once again, they roll deep. Like, it feels like they don't show up in small packs. There's at least, I think, seven bikes and two cars here. So you figure there's at least... 10 people in total like it's no it's not that why. many people it's it, the thing is that there's so many cars and stuff because there's cars that are just in the garage no 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 there are two cars that pull up and there are seven bikes what yeah seven i counted this multiple them? times yeah you get johnny tran on the s2000 in his s2000 you get a, a lexus 
And then there's seven bikes? You can see in the garage five in the left door and one in the right door, which is where the two cars pull in. But if you watch the street as they pass by Jesse's car, where he's like hiding underneath, right? Mm -hmm. Or hiding like he's down in the seats. You see, you can see seven bikes and two cars pass by. Damn, I didn't, I didn't pay attention to that. Good call. Good so judge. if you figure there's a, one person in each bike, there might be more because they were riding too deep before. But if you figure there's only one person in each car plus Ted, we're going to get to in a second. Like that's at least ten people that are just showing up there. Like it's just like why, why, why? I don't know, man. And then the other thing about their crew is that I feel like there's some not so veiled racism from Vince, where he says, "quote They're sneaky as shit," which is like it's Ugh. not the worst thing he said. It's not a hard not, F, but it's also even, like a yeah. The Vietnamese, they're sneaky as shit. It's like like guy, relax. By the way, we we've been saying Johnny Train's Korean forever, and um, he's not. So sorry about that. Probably Vietnamese. We don't know. We, we don't know. I'm sorry. We never meant anything by it. Some reason we got stuck on the fact that we thought he was Korean. Like, I think it's a part of, like, Han's, you know, Han Solo and stuff like that. It probably, like, leached in my brain like that, but yeah. I cut down on that in the last episode a little bit, but there's no way that I could completely cut it out, so... Again, not intentional, not malicious, just uh, yeah. dumb dumb white boys. Dumb white kids, yeah, that's all it was. So Silly American girl wants to play with samurai swords. Exactly. <laughs> How appropriate. Good drop there, I brother. I have so many Tarantino quotes in my brain. I know. You know. Okay. Is there anything else you want to talk about before I get into my uh, big who Ted Gassner, a.k.a. played by Bo Holden, is? No, again, we have like rims hanging from the ceiling. Why? I don't know. Yeah, check them in a document. I have all all kinds of fun facts there. But there's yes. nothing other than the the difference that the part numbers aren't the same. That was my main takeaway. Which is a very, very big takeaway. It is, yeah. So, Ted is the first character that we've had in a while that, like, actually has a name, right? Like, we've had people who are, like, background yes. characters and, like, Hector's crew and whatever, but, like, they're not even credited on IMDb. Like, I don't, I can't learn more about the actor because they're not listed on IMDb. Fair. So Ted Gassner, who's played by this actor, Bo Holden, has an IMDb page. He's, you know, Bo Holden. So I was like, I was like, I wonder who this guy is, because it's not a big role or whatever, right? He's worked in a handful of movies, seemingly, in, or he's acted in a handful of movies, seemingly smaller, uncredited roles, kind of like this, you know, one scene or like security guard, uncredited, just kind of like this bigger, beefier he guy. He kind of familiar. Right? So he's worked in miscellaneous roles. Like if you look on IMDb, there's like for, on a single person's page, there's like actor, writer, producer, director, miscellaneous, self, thanks, whatever, right? All these different sections. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So in Miscellaneous, I'm looking, and he was an assistant to Meg Ryan on City of Angels, which is a Nicolas Cage movie. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. That is cool. He's been a longtime assistant to Dennis Quaid on a lot of movies. Uh, he was an assistant to James Gandolfini. We just talked about The Sopranos before. But then I was like, oh, shit. He was security for Nicolas Cage in like six to eight movies. He was also security for Josh Brolin and Aaron Eckhart movies. I was like, that's cool. Then... If you look above that, there's like a, I don't remember if it's stunts or something else, but there's another one that's like drivers. And he's been a bunch of, he's been a driver in a bunch of different things, like personal driving, van driving, second unit driving, whatever. He was the personal driver for Nicolas Cage on like eight movies. Cool. He was a personal driver for Mahershala Ali on Green Book and True Detective. And I was like, this guy who like no one knows has the fucking coolest, weirdest career. Yeah. I want to get him on the podcast. So what I did, haven't no. heard back yet. I set up a trial of an IMDb Pro account, yeah. which is like 20 bucks a month or like 150 a year. And so I found, I went to his page and like he has his representation. I find his agent and I sent her a note like, hey, 
I run this network, you know, as you can tell from the name, probably, uh, it's, it started with Nicolas Cage. Like, we love this, we love the, we have this podcast all about these movies, we love his role in the first movie, we would love to talk to him about his, you know, storied career. I can't think of a better person, like, I mean, like, Vin, short Vin Diesel, whatever, Justin the Lynch, what Chris yeah. Morgan, whatever, but, like, Bo Holden, get on the show. Like, I feel like it's yeah, the kind of thing where Yeah, you'd be just, great like, to interview, right? How much fun would that be? I hope it works out, man. Fingers crossed. It would be really cool to talk to him, just, like, about the scene, you know what I mean? Like, and what the movie was like. Like, he was there, obviously, so, yeah, very cool. And Nicolas Cage for you, all this cool stuff. Right? Yeah. I was like, man, oh, man. And that's, like, the, that's a Cage era after the Marco Kiris era. So, like, we talked to, to Cage's stand-in yeah. for, like, who for a decade, that ended, like, 04, and this looks like it's, like, 08 to 12 or something. And so, who knows? Um, so, shout-out to Amy Somebody Management. Hopefully she gets back to me. But I was like, Hopefully. man, like that's like if this works, or I might just like go find other people on IMDb or through IMDb and just be like, hey, this podcast, like, do you want to talk about it? like just what I mean, like whether it's five minutes or half an hour or an hour or three, like whatever However it is, much just time like, you want to give us, yeah, yeah please. Exactly. That would be really cool just to pick his brain about this. That'd be fun. Yeah, so that was my big takeaway. I was like, holy shit, like very cool because it's it's the kind of thing where like I was like, oh my, like I sent this to Mike. He's like, that's so weird. I was like, yeah, man, <laughs> it's such a small world. Yeah, very very strange. Cool. No, I'm glad you redacted it. That was fun and surprising for me. If you think about, like, personal driver, like, that's just him in a, like, it's Parasite, right? Like, it's just him and the guy in the car. Yeah. Maybe not talking or maybe talking. I don't know. It's like, oh, like, you driving him around or like, hey, show me around New Orleans or whatever, right? Like, whew. Yeah. Very cool. Very, very Oh, boy. I told you that I got to drive around Harrison Ford. I've said it probably a million times, right? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. It's a really cool thing. Like, And they were shooting 42? Yeah. It's a very, very cool thing. Like, even if you're, like, you're not talking the whole time, but even still, you're like, oh, you know, you're like, hey, how's it going? And you're like, oh, what's up, man? Any other notes, any other thoughts about this minute before we do the trivia question? Uh, no, I think that's good. Oh, I do want to say that I didn't mention last time, but the music last minute and this minute is also off the score by BT. It's breaking into Johnny's garage. And I think I've mentioned it on here before, but someone has uploaded a single YouTube video, which is the entire score, and it's broken down by, like, minute by minute. Like, mm-hmm. you can click on any time code, and it goes right to the minute, so... If you want to listen to the whole score, it's on YouTube, so go check that out. Very cool. The only trivia question that I came up with, and I don't know if I love this one, I'm happy to have a better one if you have a better one, but how does Jesse describe Tran's fleet of cars as they arrive? Which is, you know, we got the wolf pack coming. I like that one, but I think that based on our new thing, we should we should ask, like, what the guy's name is, right? Or, like, some kind of question about Ted. I was thinking that, but he doesn't say Ted in this minute. The next minute he's going to. So I think we can do that next minute. And if there's another thing we want to talk about, I think we can add in a multiple, like, another question next minute. I don't think we can do it yet. Just because in this, I mean, not that it really matters, but, like. Okay, yeah, fair. It's not really in this minute. That's fair. That's fair. Because that was my first thought. I'm just like, oh, we. I want to have a question about Ted. Same. Also, all I can think about is that uh, episode of Breaking Bad, IFT. Yeah, I know. One of the uh, the very, very few F-bombs that they bleeped out on that show, so. Yeah, that's weird, actually, now that you said that. I just, yeah. What does Jesse describe Tran's fleet of cars as? Dom, we got a wolf pack. It's Johnny Tran, and he's coming your way really fast. Yeah, Um, I like that. Okay. Wolf pack is the right answer. Yes. We could say pack of wolves. Rolling Thunder. Okay. I don't know why I picked that. Gang or gang, gang of banshees. Yeah, like a gang of banshees, right? We could say, we could do gang or gang of banshees. Okay. How does Jesse describe trans fleet of cars as they arrive? Gang, gang of banshees, pack of wolves, rolling thunder. Cars slash pack. motorcycles, by the way. Okay. Yes. Cool. Well, let's take a break. Let us hear a word from Dodge once again, and talk about Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof.
Welcome back to Too Fast, Too Forever. This is episode number 85, Death Proof. This episode's brought to you by Dodge. The Dodge SRT Hellcat doesn't just look more badass, it is more badass. Challenger SRT Hellcat pays homage to some of its most iconic predecessors with a new hood featuring two fully functioning air-sucking snorkels. Shout out Dodge. Shout out Dodge, indeed. Well, Death Proof and... Oh, this is cool. Their other slogan is, Don't blow smoke, make it. It's pretty badass. I kind of like that. That's very cool. I will say right now, I don't think this is true. I know other movies exist, but like this might be my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. I didn't tell you this, and I know that last time when we were talking about this, I was like, yeah, I've seen this movie before. I'm not sure that I have. Oh, wow, okay. I remember Grindhouse coming out. I remember having the DVD of it. I remember the other, what was the other movie in Grindhouse? Planet Terror. Planet Terror. I feel like I remember that one. That's a zombie movie. No, maybe I didn't see either of these then. I don't know okay. what I'm thinking I saw. But yeah, I, I, somehow I like miss these somehow. Or like I watched them really, really stoned as a teenager is what I'm also thinking might have happened. Like I put them on at night when I was like doing something and like okay. stoned and like I like it kind of feels familiar, but also doesn't. So I'm, I'm very unsure. Whether this was your first time or not, it's basically like your first time. Yes. So what did you think of it before we go any further? I feel like this is the ultimate Tarantino movie like he like hit a stride and he's like I'm just gonna Tarantino the fuck out of this movie there's tons of feet there's tons (laughs) (laughs) what I made a note so much feet stuff there's so much feet there's tons of dialogue in cars it's so Tarantino-y dialogue wise and there's Mm -hmm. shots like where they're all sitting in a table in a diner and it keeps spinning around the table you can't get more Tarantino than this it's where like he was like okay like it's kind of fan service almost. You know what I mean? Like if you're if you're going to watch a fucking Tarantino movie, this one will tell you everything you need to know about him. And it's like not hiding anything. It's like this is what you're going to get. Like I feel like each of his movies to a certain extent is like the ultimate Tarantino movie where like everything about it is especially recently, right? Like especially no. like, say say since since maybe since I don't know, like, I keep going back further, but, like, Kill Bill, like, there's a lot of his influence there, and then here, and then, like, maybe not Bastards, but then, like, Once Upon yeah. a Time in Hollywood is also for sure, like, maybe the most Tarantino movie or whatever, No, but, like, it's, it has his stamp on it, but that's not, like, a Tarantino movie to me. This is, like, firmly a Tarantino movie. It's, like, an homage, there's parts stolen from, you know what I mean? Like, it feels, like, it's just, like, jerking off to an old, another old movie that he likes. Like, this feels like a masterclass version or masterclass yes. level of what we're doing this lap. I kind of, like, once we started, like, once I started the movie and I was reading the IMDb trivia and everything, and I was like, I wonder if we should have done this one last. No, no, no. It fits perfect with Vanishing Point. It, it definitely needed to follow Vanishing Point, 100%. Okay. Whether we had done those two last is a different argument, but it, it doesn't really matter. This is this is a great one. Because, and we will say, I will announce it now, we announce it now is that they mentioned twice in this movie the movie crazy mary dirty larry uh back in the all or nothing nothing days vanishing point days the dirty mary crazy larry days the white line fever days real cars smashing into real cars real dumb people driving later when they're like vanishing point crazy mary you didn't watch john hughes movies of course i did i'm a girl but i also watched car shit too Vanishing Point, Dirty Mary, Crazy mm-hmm, Larry, mm-hmm. Gone in 60 Seconds. Uh, oh. The real one? Not that Angelina Jolie bullshit. Uh, we even before we watch this movie, even before we remembered or knew it was in here or whatever, Yes. next week we're going to do Fast and Furious 6 on Tuesday, but then on Friday 
were doing Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry, weirdly perfectly fitting. And that was the one that you had hinted at in the Vanishing Point episode. That that was the one that your dad was like, you should do that one. And you're like, okay, cool. It was so weird because like like I said, I was talking to my dad about the classic movies. I asked him about Hollywood Nights. He asked me about Crazy Mary, Dirty Larry, like himself, unprovoked. And we had it in like, you know, our list of like movies we were possibly slotting in. Mm -hmm. And so like that. And then I'm watching this if... And we just did Vanishing Point, and they mention it twice. I was like, it's perfect. So the other movie that they mentioned that I just read, The uh, White Line Fever, like, this movie sounds insane. We, we do not, as of right now, have this on our list, but White Line Fever, Maybe I looked should, up. should, right? So White Line Fever from 1975, an independent trucker with a pregnant wife fights cargo crooks and the big shot they work for. Wow. Right? Like, wow. And if Tarantino puts it in the movie, that means that he's like, yeah. They name check Kowalski. Like, we'll get to all that, but it's like, this is the era. These are the movies that Tarantino loves, right? And like, this is yes. the ultimate Tarantino movie in that regard and all this different stuff. And like, man, oh man, like, I'm glad that, to your point, I'm glad that we watched Vanishing Point. I'm glad that within the next week, we're going to be watching and talking about Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry, because like, it feels like we need to after this, oh, right? Oh, for sure. So, yeah. Knowing that Tarantino is sort of to a certain extent, kind of like the voice of our generation in a way, like you know, the, yes. a lot of dudes are aged, like all the types of movies that they like are Tarantino movies. And I know that it's sort of obvious to say that you love him, but like, it's still true. Knowing that he has made probably five of you and my, like say, if we had to rank him like 25 favorite movies of all, like just like he, probably, he makes movies yeah. that we both love in every regard. I agree. What did you think of this movie as a movie in general? And then where do you think it falls? And having only seen it once in your like Tarantino-ish tiers, rankings, whatever. It made me feel upset that I somehow didn't remember this, and it's not in my repertoire more than it should be, because I rank it very highly. Okay. because of, like, how much... Like, a note that I have very early on was, like, God, I miss Tarantino dialogue so much. Mm-hmm. And this one, like, really hammers at home. I we You know, we talk about many of the reasons we like him and stuff like that, but I think that, like, one of my personal favorites is the dialogue, like, the car dialogue that he delivers that doesn't sound natural, but it also kind of relates to something you'd be talking about with your friends. Like, the delivery's never natural because he, like, he writes it in his own kind of stylings, yeah. but also the content is always, like, something that you would be talking about with your friends. Like, how have you never seen this movie or something you know what i mean like along these lines yeah i put this way way up there bud like i like this one a ton i would say it would definitely go in the top half that's that's as far as i can rate it so he has said two different things he says he believed he quote over tweaked this movie but is still very proud of it and he has since said that i don't remember the exact wording let me see he said something along the lines of like this is his not not that he said it's a bad movie but it's kind of like what we say with the fast and furious like he's he has said i think to some extent, in some fashion, this is his worst movie. It's a Tarantino circle jerk. Like, it's, there's not, like, it doesn't have, like, any, like, plot that really hits you, like, Pulp Fiction or Kill Bill or something like that. I can see him being disappointed because usually it's, a lot of his films are very, very story-driven and plot-driven. So I can see him being like, I made this because I wanted to make this. But I don't think that it's, like, a great movie. The whole point of Grindhouse, what he and Robert Rodriguez did, is they wanted to make movies the kind of movies that they grew up in, right? It was, mm-hmm. like, the, the Grindhouse theaters. It was the whole, you pay a couple bucks and you can stay there all night and you Double watch, feature. like, four yeah. movies or whatever, exactly. Robert Rodriguez's Planet Terror. I don't know that that necessarily fits. I think it kind of does. I think it's more fun maybe than this movie because it's just wacky and wild and over the top and hyper violent and everything like that not that this is not violent but this feels like especially given the fact that we've watched 
Bullet and Two Lane Blacktop and mm-hmm. you know Vanishing Point. We're gonna watch so many more. Like it feels like it was born in that era. Oh yeah, and he really nails the the feeling of it for sure. Yeah, and I get where he's coming from in terms of like over tweaking it and like there's a lot of like hiccups and stuff and they actually like intentionally scratch the film before they transferred it so like it sort of you know looks shitty and stuff yep and i can see where he might whether it's that or whatever it feels like it's a movie from that era and it's beautiful and like everybody might not be happy with all their work but like man like i love i love this i really like this one yeah for sure just because there's so many movies that he's made that i love like i think probably on on most days my favorite is either true romance which he didn't direct but he wrote or mm-hmm. kill bill like on a certain day like today for instance like not only is this like my favorite tarantino movie but for a long time for years and years i said that my favorite movie at all period flat out was was grindhouse everything of it all like the in your face over the top nature of it all and just the fact that it's like it's so it's crazy movies in one and like it was so like a not a vanity project, but like a we care about this and like no one else really does, and people are gonna see it because our names are on it. But like That's we're making this like. for us, yep. And it's so cool that they were both like, hey, let's make a movie that like marketed alone like would go straight to video, but like because our names are on it, it's gonna go to theaters and like mm-hmm. it just I loved the the content, the movies themselves, but I also just loved the the project of it all right and like yep. man oh man yeah it's a good one man how did you see this i saw it in theaters you know obviously with every tarantino movie like i had been in the bag for him already because this came out when i was i guess it came out spring semester of my freshman year because you graduated high school what in 07 yeah i was 07 so you're a year behind me so this came out the end of your senior year of high school and so by that point i was obviously like way in the bag for tarantino like i had started not discovered him but like i started watching his movies the end of high school beginning of college or whatever and so i saw this the opening weekend i think i remember i think i might have mentioned on this podcast before is that like i I went there alone the theater was not crowded it was i went to like a morning screening or something and i remember there's like a group of like five dudes in front of me and like after planet terror ended because the way that it's showed in theaters was that they showed the machete trailer which wasn't going to be a movie they made the movie after like people loved that trailer yeah they made the machete trailer and then they showed planet terror the credits start to roll then they show three trailers in the middle which is for don't and werewolf women the ss and thanksgiving and then they showed death proof but like when the trailer started to roll in planet terror this guy in the row ahead of me gets up and his friends are like dude there's another movie he's like what and so they sit back down and there's a trailer and there's a movie and i just loved everything about it and then like i said last week or last episode or whatever mm-hmm. then because of vanishing point because they mentioned a couple times and because like you know reading about this or whatever i went and i watched vanishing point and i was like oh that's fucking cool like i was saying on that one sort of the same thing i said last episode listen to your favorite bands favorite bands it's like i want to see the movies and i could yes. have gone further like i did i still haven't seen until next week crazy mary dirty larry whatever it is yes i, I still haven't seen white line fever but no nope. it feel like vanishing point is like the movie that they're kind of remaking and so i was like i yes. want i need to see that if it's that prevalent here there was a reason for it right yes it's kind of cool that like tarantino culturally spoon feeds us things yeah like he knows that like he has like a group of now 30 year old guys that just like will see every one of his movies and he's like hey guys go watch this fucking movie like just like really loud in the movie like go watch vanishing point like do it now i watched shogun assassin because of kill bill i know i fucking love shogun assassin same reason yeah and i fucking love that movie it's a great movie i like the comics too but fuck he he definitely has culturally influenced a lot of our generation by doing shit like that which is kind of cool and not just the movies but the soundtracks like all the music oh, that yeah. he uncovers and discovers oh, yeah. and whatever whatever the word he uses for it but like this soundtrack is so cool it's, it's so, so cool. good yeah like i was mentioning i think last episode there's two cuts of this movie in the grindhouse cut it's closer to 90 minutes this one's like an hour 53 there's two scenes that i know get cut from 
the Grindhouse version. I mean, okay. Maybe it's not 90 minutes, maybe it's like 100 minutes, but like, lap dance scene gets cut out, which I think is a, it's a very funny joke. So in Planet Terror, so you haven't seen Planet Terror, you think, right? I don't think so. So it's a zombie movie. They all go to this like barbecue restaurant in like, that's actually, it's the same, I think if I read right, it's the same building that they get the car from in this movie where they pick up the challenger in this movie yeah it makes sense okay. same building so they go to this barbecue restaurant and they like hold up there and the zombies start to approach and then it goes to missing real it says like basically sorry you know real missing and then like, they cut back and the entire building's on fire and it's chaos it's like what the fuck do we miss like so it's like a very funny joke that like yeah. sometimes in those old movies just shit went missing and like you couldn't find it and so in death proof the same thing happens here like this whole build-up to Butterfly giving someone a lap dance, then something Mike coming up and her giving him a lap dance, like they go inside or whatever, and then it says missing real again, and we just cut after it. It's like, oh. fuck, like, motherfuck. So that was one. <laughs> and then the other scene where they're outside the convenience store that goes to black and white, where he like strokes yes. Rosario Dawson's feet, like that's not in the theatrical version either. So that's like a four or five minute scene there too, where like Mary Elizabeth Winstead sings and they get the magazine and whatever, but like, like you don't need that, but I think it's cool. But even in the planet terror extended cut between like, that's just like a, such a perfect joke. Like we're not going to show you like what broke bad. Just like, yeah, it just happened. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. There's a lot of trivia that I'll get to eventually. Just like so many ref, like mostly references to other movies that we've talked about, or we're going to talk about that. So yes, the place we need to start, I think for the podcast is, can we envision a world in which Stuntman Mike and Mr. Nobody are the same person. Maybe, maybe. I had a different perspective, okay. and I was going to ask you, can we envision a world where Stuntman Mike has driven cars in the Fast and the Furious as a stuntman? Ooh, I like that too. Is there a world where he was the stuntman? That like final chase scene with the Challenger and the Charger, and when they're running on two different... They're running parallel, but the, the Challenger's above him. How much does that remind you of 4 when Dom and Brian are doing it, right? Oh, yeah. Sorry, Car. That's what I'm saying. Like, it really felt like that. I was like, holy shit. Like, this is, like, very, very similar. Can we imagine... I, I, I don't think that I can buy into a world where Stuntman Mike is Mr. Nobody. The point against this theory, that they're yes. the same person as much as we would like it because it's a shared universe and whatever. Yeah. Aside from the fact that Mr. Nobody seems like a good guy or genuinely kind of a good guy. And put this, together. He seems more put together, yes. at least. And Stuntman Mike is just a psychopath. Yes. In this movie, Stuntman Mike is a teetotaler, just drinks club soda with lime, right? And ah. then the virgin pina colada. Yes. Does, he never, he would never touch a Belgian ale. No, he wouldn't. That's right. Rachel realized when we were watching this movie today, Kurt Russell was Mr. Nobody. She never, she was like... Oh, she just didn't put... Yeah, okay, I I get that. No, like, she, like, knew it, but I was like, oh, yeah. She's like, oh, Kurt Russell's in this cool. And I was like, Mr. Nobody. And she was like, wait, he's the one who plays Mr. Nobody? I was like, yeah. And she was like, wow. And I'm like, everybody's in the Fast and the Furious movies, you know? Yeah. It's just, like, one of those, because he's not, like, a huge character, right? Like, we talk about him a lot. So, like, and Kurt Russell's in, like, a ton of these movies, like, as a small part, right? So it's very easy for him to just, like, been in it, and you're like, was that, like, Guardians, or was that... Like something, right. you know what I mean? A longer point that I want to make about, which again, I think sort of dissuades the fact that they're the same person or whatever between the two, is that yes. there's a lot of crossover characters and actors between Planet Terror and Death Proof. The crazy babysitter twins from Planet Terror are in this very, very, very briefly. Dr. Mrs. Block, who's played by Marley Shelton from, I think, The Sandlot. I think the maybe like the one girl in The Sandlot is the oh, doctor really? in this movie, and That's she's cool. a much bigger character in Planet Terror. There's also connections with other Tarantino movies, like the two cops in this movie that talk for a while about, like, 
I think he did it, but I can't prove it. And the DA says there's no case, and I'm just going to watch NASCAR and whatever. But like, yeah. if he does it again, he's not going to do it in Texas. Blah blah blah. And we'll get to all that. They're from the beginning of Kill Bill. They're the two cops that go to the chapel massacre when mm, that to investigate right. the bride. They're talking about how this is like a, a sexualized crime that like they're like that's the only way they can spew his goo or whatever phrase they use. Mm-hmm. That like it's he has to kill these girls and that's the only way that he can like find sexual excitement or whatever. Yes. There was apparently a scene that I don't know if they shot or cut or whatever, or just they'd never shot it, but that he was going to be after he flips the first car, which we'll yes. get to I guess we'll the plot in a second. After he flips the first car, they were going to show him jerking off in the car like this is actually, but then they're like, well, they're going to say it in the next scene. Like we've, everything that they're saying is right, right? Like, you know, like I don't, okay. I can't prove it, but like they murdered her, he murdered the girls or whatever, blah, blah, blah. We don't need to show him jerking off when they say this is how he gets off, right? So, but like, I think another point is like, we would never see Mr. Nobody jerk off on screen, but then Stuntman no. Mike in his like psychotic days here after he murders five girls, five women to then just jerk off on screen. It's like, that's not, that's not that's not Mr. Nobody. No, definitely not. I can't see Mr. Nobody causing carnage for gratification. No, it's just, he just causes carnage to save the world. Yeah, that's it's a different endgame. Yeah, so this movie is about very briefly. Let's see if we can do this. It follows four, three or four women in the beginning. Yes, they're having a night out in the town. They go to this bar. One friend seems to be visiting from out of town. While they're at the bar. Kurt Russell comes up to them. Pretends like he doesn't know who he is, who they are. Yes. Basically, these four women that were following for the first 45 minutes of the movie get murdered by Kurt Russell in his car halfway through the movie. And it's like, oh, yeah. this is no longer the movie that I thought it was going to be. Like, Because it's so yeah. rare to like completely pivot what the focus is. And just so he... wreck half the cast that you yes. spend 45 minutes with. So he kills basically every character we know. He kills Rose McGowan, who is the star of Planet Terror, who's got like a smaller part here. He kills her in the car, and so he goes to the hospital... That's when the cops are like, he's never doing this in Texas again. We then jump ahead a year to mm-hmm. Tennessee, and we mm-hmm. follow another group of women, which is sort of the main group of women. We've got Rosario Dawson. We've got Zoe Bell, who plays yep. herself. And do you know who she is in real life? No. She's Uma Thurman's stunt double in Kill Bill. That, I was like, when we were watching this movie, I was like, damn, Tarantino has a type. This chick looks just like Uma Thurman. Yes. So, so she's there she's go. doubled Uma in a lot of movies, but she most notably in Tied awesome. to This, she plays Uma's stunt double. And so, like, she did all of her stunts in this movie, which are crazy stunts, because she said to Tarantino, like, Tarantino wanted to get a stunt double for her. And she's like, look, <laughs> if it was somebody else in my role, I would be doing those stunts. Yes. Don't keep me from doing the stunts that I would be doing otherwise, just because I'm an actor. Like, that doesn't seem, like, whatever. I've seen her as, like, an actor in other things, like action things. Like, she's kind of in that Gina Carano camp, where it's like, Makes sometimes sense. she's great. Sometimes she's in bad movies, whatever, but she's cool. Like, I love her in this movie. Yeah, this was awesome. She was awesome in this movie. So we have, in the second group, we have Rosario Dawson. We got her. We got Mary Elizabeth Winstead in one of, I think, her earliest roles. She's gone on to be in, like, so many things. Like, she's awesome. I love her in a bunch of stuff. There's a fourth woman who I, I don't really know from other things, I don't think, other than this. We follow them for a while. They're all from the movie-making world. There's two stunt women. There's yes. a makeup person, and there's an actor, and they're making a cheerleading movie in town. Stuntman Mike tries to do the same thing and tries to, you know, hunt them, stalk them, whatever, kill them after they get this challenger, the challenger from Vanishing Point, which Zoe Bell has found in a local newspaper that somebody is selling it, so he wants to, they want to test drive it, whatever. They get the car, Stuntman Mike goes after them, they say, fuck that, they get revenge, like, they chase him off, they shoot at him, he runs away. They chase him for a while. They flip his car, and then they beat the shit out of him as the movie ends. Yeah. And it's awesome. It is awesome. Yeah, it's, it's basically a bunch of talking, crazy car scene, bunch of talking, 
25 minute car scene and like that's the movie <laughs> yep that is the movie that's the, and if that's it. not the most tar- to your point the most tarantino thing ever i don't know what is yeah and he and he sprinkles in a lot of like nods to his other movies mm-hmm. nods to other movies he loves it's like it's just it, it is it's just like the pinnacle tarantino movie it's really funny it's like if you if we were writing like a fan fiction of a tarantino movie it would probably be something like this yes mm-hmm like, if it was, like, you and I were, like, what were you going to do? Like, well, there's like going to be at least six foot shots, right? Yep. Like, it has to have six foot shots. Like, we're going to, like, touch a foot. We're going to put a foot there. We're going to, like, everything that we could do. And it's, like, and it's going to be a car. It, like, there's gonna definitely going to be a car chase. There's going to be tons of dialogue in cars. And also, we're going to reference, like, 30 other movies throughout this movie, okay? Like, that's the most Tarantino thing we can do. And reference all of his other movies inside this movie, so that they're all in one universe, and it's like, that's, yeah, that's what we get. Well, I think the reason that a lot of people love his movies is because he unabashedly does things that are kind of not frowned upon in other movies, but other people don't try to necessarily do. And I feel like here, because he's going back to the kind of movies that he really loved growing up, and probably where he developed a lot of those tastes and whatever, Mm -hmm. he's like, oh, I can just go unrestrained and kind of be like self-parody of myself, right? Because it's like, to a certain extent, I'm not making an actual movie. I'm making kind of a parody of a movie. And I'm going to just ramp everything up and like put more foot shots in and more references and more in-jokes and more whatever, right? So it works because, I mean, he's making a real movie, but it's like he's not making a real movie. Like he's making a movie, it's like a student film, like recreate your favorite movie or whatever, but like it's just a pastiche of all of Tarantino's favorite movies and all of Tarantino's movies he's already made. That's what I'm saying. That's that's what I was getting at, that like... Also, nobody's going to really, like, judge him for this if it comes... We, we talked about this. I talked about this with Brian on High School Slumber Party. We've talked about this when we were talking about Zeff with doing voice acting in animated movies, right? If this movie comes out as a double feature, you know, the, the premise is that he's making a movie that's kind of, like, paying back to the movies that he liked as a kid. Yes. You're not going to get in trouble for anything you do here, right? Like, nobody's going to be, like like, holding this up to a really fine lens... To right. be like, oh, this isn't a great Tarantino movie because he's like, it really isn't a Tarantino movie, right? Like, he's just like, he's making this for fun. Either it's not a Tarantino movie or it is the ultimate Tarantino. Like, it's one, it's, there's nothing in between. Like, it's, it's no. one end of the spectrum or the other. And, like, yeah. the same point you made is true of either It's like, you can't judge this as a regular movie because it's not designed to be. Yeah, you can't put this against Pulp Fiction and Kill Bill, right? Like, they're right. all kind of the same thing, but at the same time, I'm never gonna, like, I'm gonna be like, oh, I really like this movie, but I'm never gonna be like, Kill Bill's better or worse than this, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of in its own realm. It's the Tokyo Drift of Tarantino movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see it. Just kind of outside a little bit. And you're like, okay, yeah, I really like that, and it's enjoyable, but do we need it? Probably not, but it's awesome. That's kind of why I'm, I'm able, in a certain way, to say, like, I have four different or five different whatever Tarantino movies. I'm like, okay, so my favorite one's True Romance, but, like, he didn't direct that, so I can't really count that. But, like, just know that that's my favorite. And then, like, Kill Bill's my favorite, but, like, if you split into two parts, like, it's still not my favorite. But, like, if you're counting this one movie, which I know you probably don't, that's my favorite. And (laughs) then it's probably Death Proof, but, like, that's not really a real movie because it's kind of like like what we're talking about. So set that one apart. So then it's kind of Pulp Fiction. Like, like, that's half the movies he's made. It's like, I can't, like, you know, I can't say, like, these are all my favorite movie, even though I kind of can because they all, to a certain degree, fall in a different camp and it's like can I go up with excuses for like the seven of his movies or whatever that like I absolutely love and like yeah and it's also how I'm like well I think Inglorious Bastards is like the best movie he's ever made but it's not my favorite like it's another way that I can throw an accolade at yep. that one too right for just, sure it's just everything is different enough 
but still the same enough that like you can compare them, but also it's impossible to compare them. Can you put this up against like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I think it's like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood also feels like one that's just removed, right? Like it's like, okay, yeah, it's definitely a Tarantino movie, but it's not like a, a real Tarantino movie because it's kind right. of like he's, you know, talking about Hollywood. So it's not like it doesn't feel like Kill Bill or Pulp Fiction, right? So it's like its own thing as well. Well, I think that goes back to, and I think we've talked about on here or we've talked about on some podcast, I think where, like, there's the two different Tarantino universes. There's, like, the movie universe and the realer-than-real universe. One of them is making movies, and then one of them is making movies where the characters kind of watch the other movies that he's made, if that makes sense. Okay, Like, yeah. they're, they're kind of a step removed, and they're able to kind of, in a way, lend criticism or opinion or whatever. They're two distinctly separate universes, and he said a long time ago that Winston Wolfe from Pulp Fiction can go back and forth between the two, and he's the only one because he's that cool or whatever. Yes, like, yeah. Yeah. It's the kind of thing, it's, again, the self-masturbatory, like, it's just like, <laughs> oh, like, I'm so cool, like, look at all this thing. But, like, if you love him, you're like, yeah, I buy it, like, that's fucking cool. To that extent, like, it's like, <sighs> that's why you. it's hard to compare a movie like this or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, because they feel, even though they're heightened, they feel like authentic, real things, as opposed to, like, Reservoir Dogs or Pulp Fiction, where it's like, yeah. they're crime movies, as opposed to just, like, a movie about movies or whatever. Yes, yeah. But even that's not a great delineation. Nope. It's cool, though. I like the diversity of it. I mean, you know, we can sit here and fap about Tarantino things all the time. I do want to point out, you mentioned Brian before, that I like <laughs> the diner scene where it's like the eight-minute circular continuous Go ahead, shot. say it. I have it, too. Yep, go ahead. Number one before that, did you notice, and I never did before, I've probably seen this movie 10 or 15 times, did you see Stuntman Mike in the background? Oh, of the diner? No. He's at the counter eating breakfast, and he like turns and like looks at them for a while and then turns back. But I've never noticed that, and I was in the trivia, and I was like, oh, shit. Like, he's always, like, the wolf, he's just right there, which I think yeah. is very creepy and very cool. Like, I never saw that because, like, the way he shoots it and the way that he's de they're delivering the dialogue, you can't take your eyes off the four of them. Yes. But if you look around, he's just, like, leering at them in the background. Like, that's creepy. That is super creepy. No, I've never noticed it. I felt like, <laughs> and this is not meant to be mean, it feels like it's us and Brian having a conversation about movies where we're like, yeah, fucking Vanishing Point and Bullet and our crazy Mary Dirk Larry or whatever. And then he's like, yeah, but guys, what about Pretty in Pink? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's because Lee, what's the line? It's most girls wouldn't know Vanishing Point. And then yes. Rosario Dawson gets like all upset and they're like, no, but like we're gearheads. Like these are the movies that we watch. It's not like we grew up watching Pretty in Pink and shit. And like Lee goes, oh, I love Pretty in Pink. And I just kept thinking like, oh, that's Brian. Like he, he's he's closer. He's like, he's on the cusp of both. But he's just like, but I like John Hughes. Like John Hughes is like, yeah. he's like, it was so funny that Lee in a sense is like the embodiment of, of not Brian, but Brian's podcast. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I just, I was thinking about Brian a lot when we were watching this. The cheerleading outfit. Well, this, he's going to have a whole cheerleading month that your thing's going to fit into. Yes, that. Somebody, like, earlier in the movie says, you're like a mean girl in a high school movie to yeah. someone. Yes. And I yeah. was like, oh, Brian. Like, and then I was like, really like, man, I wish we would have had, like, Brian do this. But it's it's not a high school movie at all. It just, like, no. references it a bunch and, like, just has, like, adjacent things to him. You know, I was like, man, are we missing out by, like, not having Brian? And I'm like, oh, well, we always are, right? But yes. <laughs> also, no, because, like, it's not a high school movie at all. Like, they're right. not in high school. They're not near high school, nothing. So. Another kind of connection in terms of that type of view of this movie that I, I don't think I'd seen this movie. I must not have seen this movie in the last, like, five years because, like, the first 45 minutes of this movie are set in Austin, which I did yeah. not remember. But there's so many things that I noticed, like, recognized. Like, they're driving down the, the street house. they're driving down when they're talking about buying weed or whatever. They're driving down 6th Street. They pass an Alamo draft house. The Ritz yep. where I saw, like, 
every Terror Tuesday and every Weird Wednesday was there. And like, mm-hmm. you know, that's the main college bar close off the street Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights. Like, yeah. that's that part of town. Where they eat at the beginning, where they meet up with the fourth girl, they're at Guero's, which I don't know if you're going to remember, but like when I visited my sister in Texas last summer and I came back, it's like, I found this great new taco place. That's Guero's. <laughs> That's awesome. And you didn't connect it when you were there last time? No, because like I hadn't seen the movie in forever. Like I didn't think about it. And like it looks different. Like I think it's meant to look more old timey yeah. in this movie. Like even though it's modern day, like you can see Congress Ave, like the street signs, like that's the road that it's on. And then when Stuntman Mike is watching them from outside, he's outside Home Slice, which is like one of the best pizza places in Austin. I'm like, there's so much here. Wherever they go, like wherever that barbecue bar is or whatever, I have yeah. no idea where that is. I don't know if that's a real place. I don't know if that's God. a set. I don't know what that is. But I'm like, there's so many places here. I was like, Oh, I know all these things. What's it called? Like Texas Chili Hut or something? I was saying to you today, yeah. when we get there, look, I've been going to work. I've been out. I know that you had like a little bit of like some apprehension, some anxiety when this first kind of broke. You were like a little on edge for like a fir- like the first week or something. But you seem like you've gotten like... Oh, I'm thriving. Yeah, you're doing good, right? And I was like, I was always like really happy about this. I hate people, whatever, whatever. When I was watching this whole bar scene and they were in the bar... I got so weird feeling that, mm-hmm. like, I just had this, like, urge to go to a bar. Like, I was like, God, I just want to be in, like, a neon bar, like a divey neon bar. Yeah. Yeah. With just, like, people in a shitty jukebox, like, a jukebox with good music, but it's old. And, like, just see people sitting around and, like, doing shots. I got so itchy to, like, get the fuck out of here. And it was, like, the first time it really hit me was watching this movie. Like, Because the way that they shoot that, it's, like, probably 30 or 35 minutes in that bar that probably spans four, five, six hours at night. And yeah. it's just, like, I want to go to a place. Like, Same. I just go to a place and, like, where you have nothing to do. Or, like. And when he's like, starts describing it, he's, like, look, like, you know. And she's, like, why, don't you, why would you hang out in a bar if you can't drink? And he's, like, there's people and you can people watch. Yeah. And I was, yeah. like, motherfucker. Like, I really want to do that. And even the same, like, to a different extent, but a similar kind of point of view is that, like, when he pulls into the convenience store in the second half of the movie and he first, like, it's the scene that was deleted, the black and white scene or whatever, and he pulls in probably to go in the convenience store or whatever, but he sees the girls and he lights a cigarette and then he just leaves without doing it. I'm like, fuck, like, like, you can't just go somewhere and do nothing now. Like, that's, like, that's not a thing we can do. I mean, like, you have to do nothing, but it's like, by choice, you're just like, I got time to kill. I'm just going to go be out and about. And, like, I don't care. Yeah. like, Like, there's, like, a laziness and like a casualness to all of it and it's like it's it's uh wistful yeah it really hit me this time man I, yeah. I like i literally haven't felt like we've been you know we've been at this for a month now and i never felt this weirdness until i was just watching it like i'm totally fine drinking at home i really don't even hang out in bars that often normally you know what i right. mean but i was like just really like oh fuck i really want to go to a bar and just like sit there and hang out for a while. Yeah, like, I think, I'm guessing it's probably true of most people, but I feel like it's the kind of things, like, your escapes, when those went away for everyone, I feel like you maybe kind of got, like, my thing, and I talked about it on here, was that, like, I was feeling kind of FOMO-y from movies being out in the world that, like, other people around the country that, like, were it wasn't as like people weren't taking us seriously or whatever could go still see bloodshot or the hunt or Mm -hmm. whatever. Right. And then like all of a sudden those all closed and all those movies came to VOD. And I was like, Oh, like the thing that I was normally going at, like the thing that I was, I was afraid of missing out on 
is in my living room if I yes. want it, right? And like, yeah. I've made the joke before, probably even on here, that like, I think the reason I can sort of joke that I'm thriving here is that like, the thing that I was already doing on Friday nights, because I was never go to a bar and just hang out at a bar, because like, yeah. the type of person you meet at a bar is the type of person that the type of person that goes to a bar, and like, I don't want to be like, I don't want to be at a bar just like spending sixty dollars and like overpaying for beer every mm-hmm. night or whatever. Like that's just that's not fun for me. The things that we're supposed to do now, like the socially responsible stay at home on a Friday night and like don't see people and just watch movies, like that's what I was doing already. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I've been practicing this my entire life. Like I am I so good at this. And then once that all went away, like. Once I didn't have a fear of like, oh, other people get to watch movies, but I can't. Like now they're releasing things differently. I was like, oh, I've got nothing that I'm missing out on other than friends. But I'm already talking to friends like all day online and doing these and whatever, right? What I have gotten, and I mentioned the Burger King before, but like Mike and I just recorded the episode of The Terminal for Hanks for the Memories, which comes out in a couple weeks. And like in that movie, Tom Hanks eats a Whopper. And I was like, fuck, that burger looks good. (laughs) And like, it's the little things where I'm like, I know that like, it's not the end of the world. Like I can buy beef at a, I think I even talked about it on here. Like I can go to the supermarket and get ground beef and make a burger. But like, it's the casual little things where it's like, oh, I miss that. I miss eating a burger. Or like, to your point, like I miss just sitting in a bar for four hours and just like, not even ordering drinks, just like bullshitting with the bartender. Yeah, dude. It really, really shook me this time. I don't know if I have many other fast connections, but there are any other fast connections that you caught in this movie? Perfect timing, perfect segue. When they're at the bar, there's a Mm -hmm. giant neon Corona sign in the background. Oh. And I was like, how familial is that, right? Very, very cool. And I think that that's mainly my only other fast connection that I didn't bring up yet. In that bar... There is a tank top hanging up on the wall. Okay. When you're looking at the jukebox, which is named Amy, A-M-I, and it stands for something, but that's actually Tarantino's personal jukebox. Okay, cool. And all of the uh, songs and tracks and artists and whatever are handwritten by him. And they, like, custom, like, they built, like, this custom ring to bring it to there. And, like, it's been used in other movies and stuff like that. Like, this is, like, a, and the first, in the credits, the first special thanks is Amy the Jukebox. Ah. So, like, that's his thing. And then above that, there's, like, the chalkboard that says, like, thanks for nothing and, like, half-rice nachos or whatever. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. To the right of that is a tank top hanging up. And that's the tank top, or at least a replica of the tank top that Kurt Russell wore in Big Trouble in Little China. So ah. like that whole bar is just like little things to look at from whether you're Fast Nections or Kurt Russell Nections or Tarantino Nections, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Some other connections to not, again, I don't think they're Fast and Furious movies, but movies that we have covered or will cover or probably will cover, whatever. But at one point, oh, when they're leaving the bar, Rose McGowan is going, Pam is going with Stuntman Mike. And they call yes. to her, they say, looking good, cannonball run. I know, yeah. And then that's when he's explaining to her the all or nothing days, the vanishing point days, all the different stuff. There's a huge fascination here that we did not talk about. What? There's a backstory here, but they talk about how is The Rock as a kisser. Yes! Yes, they do! That's right. I, I wondered if they were talking about Dwayne Johnson. So, that's the thing. So they ask, so in the beginning, in the first scene, they're talking to Vanessa Ferlito, Butterfly, um, about yeah. what she did with the guy, and she's like, we just made out, we didn't do all this different stuff, whatever. And then, like, that same, almost the same exact conversation plays out in the second half. And I think that might be why they cut it. In that scene in the black and white, they're talking about how, like, you know, they made out for 10 minutes, and, like, he's so tall that he's, like, able to bend her head backwards, like, make out over her or whatever. And then later on in the movie... When they're saying it again in the car, they say, wait, you mean like The Rock, The Rock? And they're like, no, it's just a, it's just a, a stunt double or a body double or whatever that mm. like looks like The Rock. There's backstory there that in Kill Ooh, Bill 2, me. 
in the grips section, because the guy has a grip in this movie, or he's in, in the world of the movie, he plays a grip. One of the names is Bruce Del Castillo. They talk about the character Bruce is The Rock. Uh, and he's nicknamed in those credits The Rock. So, like, whether or not this is based on a real event, but it's based on a real person. That, like, there's a guy in Tarantino's world that okay. looks like Dwayne Johnson that they've nicknamed The Rock. And so they're talking about him in the movie. But I was like, oh. And then when they're talking about, like, the lookalikes on set, like, oh, we got a Nicolas Cage here, too. I was like, what the yeah. fuck? Like, how... <laughs> Crazy, man. This really brought a lot of things together for me. To me, there's no point in being in America unless you can drive a Detroit muscle car. I want to drive a Dodge Challenger. Fuck me swinging balls out. I was like, yeah, Zoe Bell, like, we're, we got a podcast for you. Yeah, we do. And Kurt Russell's car is a Charger. It's Dom's Charger like from yeah. the jump, which yeah. is like the hugest fascination here. Well, so he's got of... a couple different cars. He's got a 70 Chevy Nova in the first half, and then the back okay. half is a 69 yeah. Dodge Charger. Yeah, exactly. And a connection here, the, the license plate on the Dodge Charger, 938DAN, is the same license plate as the one Peter Fonda drives in Dirty Mary Crazy Larry. Oh my god. <laughs> that and makes... that's not and that's not the last, last license plate connection, but I'll get to that in a second. But yeah, cool. like this, Go again, ahead. like, more reason for that, right? Yeah. The two lines at the end, like, when he says, hey ladies, that was fun, well, adios, and like, he's just gonna drive off, and like, then he gets shot, and they chase him off, and like, it feels like in other movies, that's where it would end. He's out there to kill again or whatever, right? Yeah. But then they're like, you want to go get him? They're like, oh, hell yeah. And then that's <laughs> when they have like, the next like six-minute chase scene. I'm like, that's fucking cool, too. Like, man, oh, man, I just love it so much. And I did like that this was a Tarantino movie where, like, you know, he always has women in his films. But this was this felt like the first one that, again, not Kill Bill, but, like, this is, like, the first one that it was, like, a troop of women being badasses, right? Just like how... Kill Bill, right, is Fox Force 5 from Pulp yes. Fiction. This is Fox Force 5 before they broke up or whatever. What do you right? mean? Because, like, like, we don't see the assassin crew together. Like, Uma has broken off. Like, the bride has broken off, right? Like, they're all coming after her. Like, she was part yeah. of that elite assassin group. Like, this is, like, kind of in their heyday. So, I mean, different thing altogether. They're not, yes. like, paid assassins, but again, it's, like, group the of female unified. assassins. Yeah. Yes. So, I have a bunch of trivia. Is there any other notes that you have about the movie or anything else that you wanted to mention before I go through some trivia? <laughs> I have, like, a huge stress knot in my back, and him wearing the Icy Hot jacket was really funny to me. I just love the product placement. And they even call him Icy Hot. They even call him Icy Hot, yeah. But, like, I was like, why the fuck does he have Icy Hot all over his jacket? But it's it's great. And we talk about the jacket from Drive a lot. It's, like, the antithesis of that, right? <laughs> it's still, like, a really cool jacket, but it just says Icy Hot on the back. Yep. So, it's like, yeah. and the only other, like, main point that I want to say is I really enjoy how much this movie feels like it was set in that time but yes. you get like hints of the there's like there's still a ton of technology right like there'll be like a jukebox but then and she's like texting phone. yeah and then she's yeah. like texting people or you'll be like okay like they have an old Mustang he has a charger but then like you know just like some random new car drives by and right. you're like, it's really cool. They go to the uh, convenience store and they're looking at the magazines and it's all like Kirsten Dunst on the cover of magazines promoting Marie Antoinette, right? Like, it's just yeah. like, oh, we're very firmly in the mid 2000s here. <laughs> yeah, we are. Like, we know what time it is, but at the same time, it's like for, for that not to work in so many movies, you know what I mean? That you're like, oh, this feels out of place. It's like the, the juxtaposition of you keep being like, this movie's like in the 70s. And then like you hit like a, a wall and you're like whoa no it's it's definitely today and then like you go yeah. back and you're like you're in the 70s again and it just keeps going back and forth is really cool one of my favorite movies that does that in a different way kind of is the movie it follows the horror movie rachel was saying this he intentionally didn't yep. 
do anything. But the only thing that's like, wait, what? I don't understand. Is one of the girls, not the main girl, not Micah Monroe, but one of her friends or her sister's friends or whatever, is reading like an ebook on this like little pearl, like clamshell e reader. And it's like, well, that doesn't exist. Like, that's modern technology, but like, that's not in any. Like, I don't understand. Like, yeah. when, what is that? Like, it kind of looks 80s. It kind of looks modern. It kind of looks futuristic. When I saw that in Austin and like I went to a QA with him, they're like, so when is this movie set? He's like, well, I did it on purpose that way like it's 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 eternal like you wherever it is whenever it is it's the same thing but like well what about that it's like i don't know i just thought it was cool like it's just, <laughs> it's weird like sure why not but like everything Fuck else about it. that movie cars are just sort of vague and ambiguous and like the clothing doesn't belie it and like there's no technology it's just i don't know when this is but like there's something cool about the intentional timelessness of it all yeah so the idea for this movie came from this made me laugh out loud because remember recently when we heard fiona apple talking about that night where it was her and oh, uh, yeah. Paul thomas anderson and quentin tarantino and she's like on, on cocaine she's like it was the worst mm-hmm. night of my life this i can imagine is also maybe on that level a drunken hotel night with sean penn which can you imagine them oh, just getting drunk together like oh please get me out of here but tarantino said he wanted to buy a volvo because he quote didn't want to die in some auto accident like the one in Pulp Fiction. And Sean Penn said, well, you could take any car and give it to a stunt team, and for ten dollars or $15,000, they can death-proof it for you. And so that idea just stuck in Tarantino's mm. head, which is like, let me make a movie about that. That's really cool. Because if you haven't seen the movie, the name of the movie comes from Stuntman Mike is obviously a stuntman. They make cars with such safety technology in the driver's seat that, like, if it rolls, like, the roll cage and whatever, that, like, no matter what happens, essentially, you're not, like, you can get beat up, like, you can still break bones and stuff, but, like, you're probably not going to die. Yeah, they put, like, a roll cage in it and stuff like that, and just, like, yeah. So the jukebox, like I said before, Amy is Tarantino's. Uh, It was in Natural Born Killers, which he wrote, Mm. um, and... One of the songs on there is You Never Can Tell by Chuck Berry, which is the song that they do the twist to in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And speaking of Natural Born Killers, Jungle Julia was referenced, or maybe she was in Natural Born Killers as Julia. These are all things that like can only come from a cocaine-doubt brain. Yes. That's okay, so license plates. So at one point, the, the, the car that they have, the the yellow and black car that they're driving, the that they leave, yes, okay. um, that has the license plate Brand X, Yes. Is a reference to Brand X Action Specialist, which is the stunt, is the name of the company of Tarantino's stunt coordinator. So, like, it's just like a cool, like, and they're even wearing, I guess that's probably, like, in this movie, the company they work for, because the jacket that Zoe Bell puts on that she then gives to her friend says Brand X on it. So, like, I think it's like a real life stunt company that also is the one that employs these fictional characters, I guess. That's cool. I like that. Also, I don't know if you noticed, but on that car, a bumper sticker says "Lil Pussy Wagon," which is yes, it looks like it out. I didn't the catch pussy it, wagon she, kind of. Yeah, she pointed it out though. She was like, "Oh, look, it's definitely from Kill Bill, right there." And speaking of Kill Bill, I'm sure you both noticed that like the ringtone that Abernathy has is the mm-hmm. Twisted Nerve. It's the L, Dri- L Driver yes. nurse, the her ringtone too. Yes. The front plate on the '70 Nova, which is something Mike's in the first one is the same license plate as Steve McQueen's in Bullet, JJZ109, except it's Uh, Texas rather than California. That's so cool. Okay. And then the wheels on his Charger are the same one used on the General Lee in the Dukes of Hazard, which is also a 69 Charger. <laughs> That's very cool, too. Very, very cool. The posters in the DVD cover have a 67 Chevy Camaro, which is not in the movie, but that's also, I think, a very funny kind of in-joke where, like, they would advertise a movie and be like, that's not the movie that I watched at all. Like, that's a totally different movie. But, like, they're like, <laughs> fuck you, I already got my, I got, I got your money. Like, you had a good time. Like, shut up. Like, whatever. It doesn't matter. I just think that's a very funny thing. The 70 Dodge Challenger driven in here is not really an original model. It has door frames, which the original did not. Ooh. 
but the crew added them likely because the, without them you couldn't do ship's mast, which is the game they play. Makes sense. Because that's where they tie like the belts or whatever around the doors. Yeah. But I guess it's just like it was a bottom door with a window, probably? I don't know. Yeah, the 69 Charger is the same model car in Bullet, and the Mustang in this is a 73 Mustang, which is the same model as the original Gone in 60 Seconds, mm. which is actually a 71 dressed to look like a 73. And then that's the awesome. Challenger, of course, is from Vanishing Point. Yeah. And then the final thing, which I think is very funny, because I said this to you... Well, actually, there's two things here. So number one, they're, they're again, old, of course, old-timey movie references. But yes. when Stuntman Mike pulls out his book, and he's like, you know, a lot of people say they have a book, but I actually have a book, and I'm going to file you under chicken shit. Like, he keeps talking about, like, you're okay in my book, and in my book, that's no good. Like, he's just doing a John Wayne impression, just like this old-timey yes. American. Yes, he is. Which is super weird and specific and cool. Yeah. You know how people say, you're okay in my book, or... And my book, that's no good. I actually have a book. And everybody I ever meet goes in this book. And now I've met you, and you're going in the book. Then, what I was saying to you when I, the art for this episode on cageclub.me on our social platforms or whatever, is him looking into the camera, which I'm like, this might be my favorite shot in the movie. fourth wall. Exactly. Apparently... That's something that Burt Reynolds would do in several movies involving fast cars. Like he would just like look into the camera. Yeah, he does it in Smokey and the Bandit. It's just, again, like a very specific, like if you know where you're looking at, you know the reference. But if not, it's just a cool, weird, specific thing. Like One of the things that I picked up like that, that around the same scene as like the book and stuff like that, when I was in college, I took a really awesome class, and it was uh, Western and Samurai films. You would watch like Seven Samurai and then The Magnificent Seven. And you would see, like, the samurai version and yes. the western version of this. And actually, for, like, the final paper for this class, I wrote a paper just about how Tarantino stole all of these, right? <laughs> like, yeah. it, like Kill Bill is just the, the culmination of, like, every movie we watched in this class. Yeah. In the movie, she says, like, well, Zatoichi, like, are you blind, right? Do you know mm-hmm. what Zatoichi is? Have you ever seen no. this movie? And it's about the blind samurai. And she calls him Zatoichi because she's saying he, he's blind. And it's like another reference to one of these like old samurai movies. Oh, very cool. Because he's stealing all these fucking movies. So, right. <laughs> yeah. So instead of her saying, like, what are you, blind? She's like, what are you, Zatoichi? Or something like along these lines. And I was like, oh, that's funny. I was like, Rachel, did you get it? He's the blind samurai. Like, it's like a super famous, you know, samurai movie. Like, a curse. And maybe it's not Kurosawa, but there's like a famous Zatoichi one. I think was Kurosawa or someone very, very similar to Kurosawa. Director Kenji Misumi and Kazuo Mori and Tanuko Tanaka. Yeah. I don't know. They're not, they're not. It's adjacent. It's like a guy that was like very close to Kurosawa. You know what I mean? Like in tone and he was making samurai movies around the same time and like this is what's happening. In that class, did you guys watch The Hidden Fortress and then Star Wars or no? No. So another Kurosawa movie, The Hidden Fortress, which is like from 1958. I think it's a samurai movie. I've not seen it, but apparently like George Lucas has said like this is where I basically got the foundational whatever for Star Wars like it's the same like instead of moving it to like a western it was we moved it to outer space yeah that's very very cool no this was specifically like cowboy movies and samurai movies and it was always like shown kind of like this in in Vanishing Point in a sense that like here's the samurai version here's the cowboy version and like we would watch them back to back kind of like that so very cool really it was a really awesome class actually I really love this class it's like one of the classes that like I vividly remember and I was like this is so fucking cool wow school is actually fun you know like one yeah, of there's those certain moments classes where it's like how how is this like how am I getting credit to take this class and like talk about the end of the world like I took like an apocalyptic visions class where it was like we're gonna read anime and watch movies that just like talk about the 
end of the world. It's like, I'm getting credit for this. Like, what what am I learning? Like, I, you're learning this. Like, this seems like it seems like I'm cheating the system. Yeah, it's like one of those where I was like, man, if all of my classes in college would have been like shit like this, I would have been like, damn, I could stay in college forever. Because I went to college with like all these AP credits, I like was a year and a half ahead in my major, and so I was able to basically finish my journalism major in two and a half years. So I just like dicked around different like communications. So like I took like, oh hey, like I want to hang out with Tobin. Like I'm gonna take like a screenwriting class. I don't want to write a screenplay, but like why? Like I'm gonna talk about and write about movies and like sure why yeah, not cool. like fun you know just make that happen yeah i did something similar i was like blew through all of my like i stacked like the first two or three years of school really really heavy pushed as many credits as i could get into those so like i just went part-time and like started working in the lab my final year of school yeah like i just dropped a part-time because i was like okay like i need these classes for my major they only offer them you know spring then fall or fall then spring whatever mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like i have to take them in order but by the end my senior year i was taking like two or three classes a semester like they were hard classes they were right. like very strong ones but like at the same time it was like i didn't have to take like you know introduction to poems or whatever bullshit right my college was so weird like we had four classes a semester and that was it and they were all basically three hour courses and so i just had 12 hours of school a week and that was it it was crazy i was writing for the newspaper my sophomore junior and senior years and my second semester senior year, I took producing the newspaper, which is basically like a class where you write for the newspaper. I was literally the editor-in-chief of the newspaper. So I was getting credit for like a thing I was doing in my free time anyway. So I was like, oh, like whatever. I'm like, internship, like all this, like I said to our like advisor for the, like the teacher for the class, the advisor for the paper, I'm like, we're, we're good, right? He's like, yeah, we're good. Like, but Chris Podcast, yeah. who also wrote for the paper, said he took that class twice. I didn't know you could take a class twice, but like he was the arts and entertainment editor. And like, he just got credit for like, again, the work he was doing already. He got school credit for twice because he was already there. I'm like, oh, I should have, like, I should have milked that even more. Like, god yeah. damn. You should have been in every semester for, like, the whole time you were in the paper. Yeah. Yeah, jeez. Yes, so that was Death Proof. Any other thoughts on Death Proof or anything else we talked about tonight? No, if you haven't seen it or you watched it really stoned and don't remember, <laughs> I highly recommend you give it another watch because it's an awesome movie. Yeah, check out Planet Terror as well. Not at all like this, but it's a very, in the same vein. If you can find the three-hour, three-hour, 15-minute or whatever grindhouse cut, um, which has the trailer, in, uh, the machete trailer before and the three in between, highly recommend that. You kind of miss a little bit of the of Death Proof, but I don't know that you necessarily need to see it. But yeah, I mean, definitely see the movie in whatever version you can. But if it's you have blast. the time, we all have time now. Go check out the three-hour grindhouse. But Joe, next week, like I mentioned earlier, Fast and Furious 6 on Tuesday. And then on Friday, the movie mentioned a couple times in this, Dirty Mary Crazy I'm excited to watch it now, dude. Are you amped for it? I have no idea what it's about other than Peter Fonda's in it. Like, I remember we looked it up when we were planning out this lap, but like... We looked up, like, 12 movies, and I don't, don't remember any of them. Don't look it up too much, because my dad said, like, oh, it's really good. So okay, I would yeah. I would refrain from, I mean, not that we do that anyways, but just, right. like, watch it first. Fast and Furious 6 on Tuesday, Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry on Friday. But for all things Too Fast, Too Forever, you can go to keensclub.me, facebook.com, slash Too Fast, Too Forever, or at Too Fast, Too Forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family, at cageclub.me. Come back next time for Fast and Furious 6. Check out all 85 episodes wherever you get podcasts. Leave us a review if you want. Check out our Patreon. Send us mm-hmm. an email. You know the drill by now. Just say hi. Just check in. Even if you don't want to yeah, see Yeah, let us know air. what you're doing. Oh, also, if you're still listening, Sunday, May 3rd, 9 p.m. Eastern, Tokyo Drift Watch Along. We will provide the link that day or a day in advance or whatever. But keep it free Friday or Sunday, May 3rd, Tokyo Drift. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. And we'll see you next time right here on Too Fast, Too Forever. Peace out. Peace out. out. You anus. anus.